Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. A very fast uh, hello and shout out and good morning, or indeed I suppose good night, to uh, Melbourne, Australia. Currently working from home in Melbourne, Australia, my girlfriend Caroline listens to your show every evening live to keep abreast of things in Cork. So she's listening right now. I would love if you give her a shout out. Her name is Caroline Barry and she's originally from Bannanlock. Cheers, mate, says Jack Cahill in the Land of Wonder down under. Meanwhile, the Land of Wonder up here has this cyber war making all the front pages of the papers this morning. All state departments, all state agencies are now on high alert. Uh, They figure that the next cybercrime or the next hack uh, will be within social welfare. And that will be um, pensions, uh, social welfare payments, this ruthless cyber gang behind the HSC chaos dominates the front of many papers this morning, front page of the mail. It's cyber war, fear that the next targets will be pensions. Russian gang in attack, or as they say, at hack uh, number two. Um, some are saying a Russian gang, others are saying Eastern European. I don't know. We're at war is the front page of the star today. The ransom amount being demanded apparently is 20 million dollars. I don't know, 20 million euro. They usually... These characters usually look for payment in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. That's my understanding of it anyway, because it's untraceable. Then the Mirror has a front page this morning. War on hackers. Ireland takes action over cyber gang. A second government department is hit. I'll come back to this in a few minutes time. It is causing all sorts of disruptions to the uh, uh, hospitals and maternity hospitals right around the country. In fact, the papers break it down this morning. The amount of cancellations, you know, we're talking about nearly a million emergency and priority cases facing delays and they're saying it could take years to recover from this apparently the fbi were warning as far back as october uh, that uh, this gang and gangs like it had their eyes on the uh, health systems of the world and the fbi were warning uh, that they were you know under possible attack from ransomware uh, in the u.s i think i read somewhere at the weekend that the fbi are actually assisting the Irish government in this. But more, more on that in a few minutes' time. Meanwhile, all retail opens today. Everybody got to go back to mass during the week and yesterday morning, limited to 50, I believe. But retail uh, this morning opens everywhere. And all those involved in retail, there's loads of them in the echo today saying they can't wait to get their shop, their customers, back in the front doors again. They opened their doors after nearly five months of lockdown and millions being spent on goods Right across the board, 137 days, as this morning's mirror says, uh, since non-essential retail um, pulled down the shutters. And they go up this morning, at least they did, around about 11 minutes ago. More than 70,000 workers go back to work full-time for the first time today in a long, long time. And this is all of the non-essential retail that was closed. Uh, Of course, the the vaccine rollout continues, and the papers talk of that as well. Those aged 40 to 50 are set for a, a jab, and the... Papers uh, deal with that this morning on the front and inside pages as well. Um, And also a lot of the stories uh, involving people who got to go back to religious services makes the mail this morning with lots of photographs of people sitting down, standing up, kneeling inside in churches yesterday morning. Most businesses plan some kind of blended return to work in September. It's a story in the Examiner today saying that most Irish businesses expect staff to be back in the office by September, but they're going to increase the blend of remote 
and online working uh, in the coming years. More than half said that they still place greater focus on employees' output rather than the presence of whether they're in the office or their place of work. They're saying it doesn't matter about that. It has more to do with um, productivity. I I don't know. I, I hate the idea. I just never liked that. I really don't. I think, yeah, anyway, we might come back to that later on this morning. Um, anyway, the UK drives on. They can do an awful lot more this morning than they could last yesterday morning. And they can do an awful lot more than we can. Because um, everything's pretty much as you were there. Apart from limited numbers, whether it's inside in a pub or inside in a cinema or a theatre, they can go to all of these things. Um, apart from going clubbing, um, they got to work that one out yet until social distancing is, is, is lifted, I suppose. But everything else, the other thing you can't do is you can't get served at a bar counter, you know. But you can go inside pubs and restaurants from today. The Indian variant's a big problem there, and I don't know, I hope it doesn't come back and bite them in the arse. Um, our own hospitality sector here is booming ahead with regards to the calibre and the quality of the product. And the Echo this morning talks of uh, five hotels and a load of guest houses right across uh, the city and county that have won awards in the 2021 Traveller's Choice Awards. And we're talking about hotels like uh, the River Lee, uh, Dunmore House Hotel in Clonakilty, another one in Clonakilty called Fernhill House Hotel. Um, what else? Hayfield Manor, the Blue Haven in Kinsale, Sale. The Gugan Barrow Hotel got itself a TripAdvisor uh, 2021 Traveller Choice Award and loads and loads of guest houses and well done to all concerned. Very sad news over the weekend, although Pat Favi had told us on the air about 10 days ago that his dad was unwell. Uh, the, the one and only wonderful former Lord Mayor, terrific, terrific guy, great councillor and just an all-round good guy, uh, Timmy Falvey, died over the weekend and there are tributes to him on the front are in the inside pages of the Echo today and Joe Mack makes the front of the Echo. Don't worry, he's hailing hearty. Mind you, he did have uh, COVID and uh, uh, he was he was fairly okay about COVID. And, you know, he was a bit of a spring in his step and he was his famous cheerful self when he went into hospital but as soon as they asked him about his next of kin and whether he wanted to be resuscitated or not he started to take things a little bit more seriously then at that stage but he's recovered 100% there's a lovely interview on the front and inside pages of uh, the Echo today uh, with Linda Kenny talking to him and um, also the fact that he was honoured and he will be honoured by Cork City Council today with the Cork Culture Award from the Lord Mayor Joe Cavanagh in recognition of his contribution to music over the years music Comedy, just being an all-round good guy. I can't think of anybody else that would deserve it as much as the great uh, Joe Mack. You know what? We have gender quotas with regards to the amount of uh, men and women who run uh, for local and general elections. Yes, we do. Uh, And they need to improve their act in that. But the examiner says this morning that no female candidate will be added to the ticket alongside Micheál Martin for the next general election. You've got to ask the question, why? Uh, And also, um, I spoke extensively last week about this young girl who um, was pushed and fell between the train and the platform at the Hoth Junction Dart Station. Um, You know that? You know, the guards move quickly and uh, uh, three young fellas were questioned and that's ongoing. But what you need to know as well is that the footage from the CCTV belonged to Irish Rail was leaked. Uh, And that's why yesterday's front page uh, in the Sunday World said, Train thugs threat to sue. Mother of teenagers suspected of the horror platform attack 
claims her son's privacy was breached by leaked CCTV footage and she's considering legal action. She's considering suing Irish Rail. She was angry that her son was visible in the footage, apparently, and she's looking to get a claim out of it. So that makes many of the papers this morning following up on Nicola Tallon's story from the Sunday World yesterday. And Father Ted apparently causes offence. So Father Ted is the latest one now that's been slapped with one of these warning alerts that you might find some of the jokes offensive. They ain't nothing sacred. The Neil Prenderville Show. Lines open at one 850 106 Text 0868-104-106. This story was breaking Friday morning just when we were coming on the air and it's dominated all of the news right across the weekend. It is the uh, cyber attack uh, on the HSE and it looks as if the Department of Health and the Department of Social Welfare it's either happening or it's about to happen. Um, and you're, they're saying that the um, cyber attack and the crime against our, our, uh, our systems in this country could set the health service back 20 years. They're figuring. Uh, anyway, enough of me. Let's find out what all this is about, shall we? Because we're talking about mafia. We're talking about cyber criminals. Uh, we're talking about either Russians or Eastern Europeans. Uh, they have their own website, actually. They're that, um, you know, that, that brazen about what they do. And they do everything, of course, to get paid a ransom. Pat Phelan's the Cork entrepreneur who built and sold a number of companies in the telecoms and cybersecurity areas, including Trustev and Cubic Telecom. He's been watching this quite, uh, quite closely right across the weekend. Pat, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? As Marvin Gaye would say, what's going on? Well, it's uh, pretty astonishing. It looks like it's across at least three government verticals right now. Um, it's a Conti attack, which is uh, it's ransomware. So what happens is they use something like social engineering or they find username and passwords online, and we'll talk about that in a sec. And uh, they, go in beh- they come in from the inside out behind the firewall. You know, most of these would be firewalls. Explain a firewall to, firewall to listeners. Firewall is like a one-way paint that only allows out rather than in, so it's a communications tool, and it stops devices or username and passwords or anything connecting to the network that it doesn't recognize as being allowed on the network. Okay, it's a buffer, it's a blocker then. Yeah, 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 yeah. very technical and uh, probably a lot of really good Irish companies in that space as well. You see, I read somewhere at the weekend that it can be really easy to get into somebody's system through a back door or even a front door. And somebody was prone, was writing at the weekend that all it would have taken within the HSE was a staff member to open a PDF attachment. Yeah, that's how they, that's how it's done. You know, so I think as well, probably one of the larger problems that that's in the government is that the machines are very running very historical software. So most of the government machines, especially the HSE, are running XP and Vista, which are, you know, almost end of life, lack of support. And I think then what happens is, I mean, I sent you one last night. We won't discuss it at length, which was one of your own e- your old emails yes. that, I, that I showed you had been breached. Oh, I have no problem with that. You're saying it was hacked. It was, it was breached. So what happened was you signed into something um, using your old email that service that you were signed up to was breached. They hadn't their passwords hashed, which is a method of hiding your passwords in case you're ever, if, in case you're ever attacked. Mm. And your username and password was out there. And then the key thing is 
does that password work with anything else you're using? And if I have your username and your passwords, I'm in behind. And the chances are it's the same across multiple platforms. We tend to use the same passwords, don't we? We tend to use the same passwords. And a lot of the time your username is your email address, so you're dead in the water. You're dead in the water. You're dead in the water unless you use something like one password is probably the best one out there. You can download that as an app. Um, it replaces all your passwords. It keeps them in the app. They're completely secure. It gives you a four-digit pin. That's the one I use, and I really like it. But, like, this is easily done, Neil. It's a click. If you click a link, if you click a text message, you're, you're gone. You're dead in the water. So when that PDF was open then, is this the Russian mafia or Eastern European cyber criminals? And what will they do? It tends to be Eastern European. Um, because they have an amazing science background and they tend to use it for bad rather than good. So what they done, they got in. They've probably been in there three to four weeks would be my guess. They got in there. They work on encrypting all the information. So they've been working on that for weeks. They flick a switch and say, and that pops up on the main servers and the main machines and say, this machine has been hacked. Please send X Bitcoin to this Bitcoin account. Okay, okay. So they are looking for 20 million. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Neil, we'll, we'll spend way more in the next few days and probably the next few months uh, on encrypting this and making ourselves secure. Okay. I was reading at the weekend that companies actually do pay out just not to go through that headache or the cost involved of trying to fix it. I mean, should ransom be paid or not? I think it's a kind of a, a two-sided question. A lot of businesses would tend to pay it um, to get their data back. There are times where the data is too too difficult to unencrypt, so they pay the money and it's not unencrypted anyway. But I think it's a position for me where governments shouldn't. And they said that they won't. Yeah, but I think you know. I think this is an important. I think it's an important topic. We don't have a chief information officer. Um, the National Cyber Security um, Centre has no leader. It's the thing we've really ignored nationwide over the last few years. Somebody was suggesting also at the weekend that the pandemic might make it more likely for countries to pay out, particularly if their health system is attacked. Um, what would happen if, 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 for instance, the ransom isn't paid what does Conti, the cyber criminals, do next? They publish, is it? Um, they publish the data, and they've obviously threatened to do that, um, which, you know, for medical data isn't very nice. But I think, again, what happens is the data is published. It's username and passwords that are found. So it leads to more hacks. It leads to more backdoors. And it's a kind of a ever-fulfilling circle. Where would they publish? Uh, there's tons of them. They're all on the dark net. They're the places where that that site that I sent you, which is really important, if anyone's listening and they want to check, has their email been hacked, go to Have I Been Pawned, H-A-V-E-I-P-W-N-E-D.com, put in your email, and you can check if your email is being hacked. Now, so what happens is, that guy that owns that site is a micro ex Microsoft researcher. He goes into the darkness, which sits below the internet, and he finds all the hacked emails 
and he publishes, he, he just puts the email on there to let you know where you've been breached in. So then they publish all of your information and your medical history, or if they get into the Department of Social Welfare, your pension details, your social welfare benefits, but primarily your, your, your health records in the dark net. Uh, who, who, who sees that really? Who cares? Further criminals. So let's say, let's say I get your details and I get a username and password and your home address. Uh, now I have the ability to next jump to your bank account. So if you use the same username and password for that bank account or your ESP or your mobile, I can walk into <clears throat> I can walk into any Vodafone store and say, "Hey, I need Prendable. Um, I want to. I lost my SIM card. My phone was stolen. I need a new SIM card. So now I get a new phone and a new SIM card. Now I own your bank because you're probably using your phone to authenticate to your bank." And then I just completely take over your identity and that allows me to apply for mortgages, credit cards, bank loans, etc. Good God. Just thinking, actually, let's say that they don't pay and the cyber criminals publish. Could patients or indeed staff within the state sectors sue the, sue the state? I think probably you probably signed some sort of a disclaimer somewhere. So it's probably not possible. What do, what's going on now, do you think, within government circles? I know you mentioned the National Cyber Security Centre, but what are they doing to unlock this? And is it even possible to do it? I mean, what, what do you think is going on? Oh, a, listen, they're, they're working around the clock. I saw a screenshot yesterday of the war room where there was nearly 30 top tech companies in it. Uh, one is a guy from Cork called Ronan Murphy who runs probably one of the cutting edge companies in the space. Smart tech. And, uh, smart tech, yeah. So they're in, they're in there and they're um, trying to unencrypt the data and, clo- and close the front door. Is that possible to do? And how long does it take? Um, it depends how deep it's in. I'd say you probably want the services resumed this week. And um, they're also saying now, I mentioned it in the intro, that they're saying that other state departments um, are vulnerable. From what you're saying, if they're in there for a few weeks before we know it, they're possibly in there already. Oh, yeah, they're going across everywhere. There's, there's, no, there's no singular doubt that anyone is, uh, has gotten away with this. They've gone across all the networks. Um, I would say there's a good possibility that probably two to three to four more departments have been compromised. And internationally, um, I'm not hearing of other countries going through something that we're going through, are they? Um, probably businesses. I know Scottish, uh, the Scottish healthcare system had it last year. A lot of, uh, a lot, they came to attack where there are a lot of identities. So hotel chains are very big. Um, Banking systems are obviously highly secure, so it tends not to happen. But it, it tends to be large, large verticals where there's millions of identities. And it's the identities as the value because, you know, even back in my trust of days, you know, the um, digital identity, you could buy one like they were, they were somewhere between five and ten dollars. 
and then it's up to you to see what you could do with that. So do you think that they were looking all over the world at systems that were vulnerable and saw the Irish one? You, you described our, our, our tech as being somewhat outdated. Is that why they attacked Ireland? Well, you can see system, they're, they're pinging. Generally what they do is they tend to ping large operational systems. They find a backdoor, they find a username and password. And, you know, when they start seeing historical machines on the internet, because that's where they have to exist on the net, they seem to look, you know, they tend to look at these as easy targets. Because it's a Windows XP system that hasn't been sending out upgrades or patches for years, is it? Years and years. I mean, XP and Vista, I presume XP is end of life, what, 10 years? Good, good God. So, and I know that, I know especially the health department have been paying Microsoft millions per year for extended life on some of these products. Because what happens is if you think there's probably, I don't know, 100,000 computers on the healthcare system to replace every one of them, to replace every printer or to upgrade every system, you know, it, it's, it's a long-term plan. But surely some must have been, someone should have been shouting off the roof saying, this is going to happen, our system is antiquated. I mean, surely they should have the same kind of system as a bank. I think people have, but I think it's just, a, it's like everything else in health, probably. It's a, it's a slow process. God, you would think that it would have been kind of absolutely vital that those kind of services, I mean, pensions and social welfare benefits next. Yeah, yeah, that could very well happen. I think, I think probably most, most governmental systems are probably 10 to 20 years uh, obsolete. When, you know, you mentioned there earlier on, have I been pawned as in P-W-N-E-D, and I'm getting a lot of texts already about that. Let's say somebody does what you say and they check with that website and comes back and say, yes, you have been breached or you have been hacked. What do they do next? Immediate change of password anyway, across everything. Uh, that would be my first suggestion. And then I would say download something like 1Password, Google it. Uh, there's plenty of them there, but 1Password works very well for me. Um that will create anonymous passwords for you that are stored nowhere, um, only your phone, and they're not stored in clear text. Okay, okay. I'll recap on that again later on, because that's important for people to know their own personal space. Really important. You know, this is, um, like, if you can imagine that I can get your password, I can work my way through everything. Bank, health, insurance, car loans. I can redirect everything. And the key to everything is that if you use the, if you've got a mobile phone account and you use that password on the mobile phone account, I now have your SIM card. If you use two-factor authentication on your SIM card, I now have all your social networks. I have your, I have your bank. I have your electricity supplier. I have everything. And that, that means I own you and you know nothing. So, again, that moves on to areas where people open emails or PDFs or, you know, respond to texts on their mobile and they don't know where they're from. That's a no-no. I, I, just for me, I don't answer phone numbers that I don't. And I'm not obsessive about this. I'm just careful. I don't answer phone numbers I don't know. 
I will never click a link in a social network. I will never click a link in WhatsApp or anything like that. And I'll never click a link in any email unless I really know the sender. But they have ways of making you think that you know the sender, don't they? We see that now with the scams that are going on on phones and emails. The phone number is right. They call you saying that you've been compromised. They tell you they're your bank. They're not. They're not. So what you do is you immediately call your bank directly back on the number that's on the bank's website. And what you also do, if you get an email that looks like it's from a friend, it's very simple. If you get an email from me and you know my email well, just go into the email header and check that the email has come from me. It can it can look like it came from me, but it can't look like it came from my email. So all you got to check, if you've got my, whatever, Padded Sisu Clinic email and someone sends you an email from Padded Sisu Clinic, you check that it can look like it's from Pat Phelan, but it can't come from the server. But are they always one step ahead, the cyber criminals? Because it seems to be getting worse now. This attack on the HSC seems to be an indication that there's more to come. That they're one step ahead of us all of the time. Absolutely. Well, you, well, if you think about it, take someone who's you know in a leadership role in the HSC and technology. His job is to upgrade machines, get new machines, ensure their only job is to make sure they get in. So they have only one role. Their job is to hack you. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. And if they can point, you know, and it's happened to me loads of times, you know, back in the trust of days, Stephen Fanning got an email one day saying, uh, uh, you know, transfer money to account X looked like it came from me. And uh, it didn't, obviously. He said he said the language wasn't fruity enough. Um, <laughs> but, but, but that's what you see now. We've got them. We've got them in CSU. Um, I think Ryanair was very lucky last year, sent four million to a, Ch- a Hong Kong bank account managed to catch it before it left the Hong Kong bank account. But there are millions of instances of this. Does anyone ever get arrested for this activity? I, I think it's few and far between because, you know, it, it, I suppose the old way of doing it used to be to follow the money. And now that you have Bitcoin or any of the old coins, uh, following the money is impossible. You're not a fan of Bitcoin, are you, Pat? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> probably one of the only tech guys who aren't, I just think uh, the ability to move money anonymously is itself wide open to criminals. So if somebody were to pay um, cyber criminals, um, doesn't that just make them even more vulnerable then because they know then you're a soft touch and they're like any blackmailer, they'll keep coming back, won't they? Absolutely, you're wide open. And you know, I, I think I read a stat at the weekend that in uh, above 90% of the cases, the data wasn't unencrypted anyway. Oh, you mean they never unblocked it and gave it back to you anyway? Exactly. So you just can't win whether you pay or not? I think you've got to do the work. I think uh, you've got to do the work. And then I think, you know, the most important thing for me is that someone begins a large project uh, to start rectifying our health service in our... Or sorry to start rectifying the whole government uh, technology-wise. Okay, okay. So um, this will take weeks to play out, do you think? Months? Uh, weeks, weeks, probably the end of the week after next. Somebody will be able to unravel it. You think there is the, the knowledge and the know-how? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt, okay. there is incredible talent in Ireland. So just again, I said I'd just revisit again because I'm getting texts from people on a personal note as to what they should be doing now. Just recap on that again with Have I Been Pawned? Sure. So go to haveibeenpawn.com. 
That's H-A-P-E-I-P-E-N-P-W-N-E-D.com. Check your email or any emails you want. It will show you that you've been breached or not breached. Um, it'll, you, you can create an account on Have I Been Pawned. It's super safe. Create the account. It'll show you your emails. Lots of people have multiple emails. Anywhere you have that email, change your password immediately and then download something like 1Password. Uh, it's an app. It's like I think it's free for s- small users and that will change everything to passwords which aren't stored on any of your devices and off you go. And don't don't click emails. Don't take phone calls from people you don't know. If anyone calls you, call back to source immediately on a, on a, a publicised number. Sound advice. Appreciate you taking the time this morning. Have a good day. Thank you, Pat. Pat Thank you. Bye, bye. Uh, interestingly, Pat touched on something there with regards to the system within the health service. And Kian, who has uh, a bit of a tech background, uh, sent me a very interesting email. He said, I'm not sure if you're going to do a piece on the recent HSE IT attack. Uh, but I said I'd send you an email with regards to myself and my partner's experience in the CUMH. Also, I'm not interested in coming on air to discuss it further, but feel free to read this out. My partner was in the CUMH last October, just October gone, giving birth to our firstborn. I was allowed in during the birth stage at the time. I would say about halfway through the process, the PC that was monitored, the personal computer that was monitoring the baby's movement and heartbeat suddenly crashed and froze. It wasn't a major panic, but I could see the midwife was having difficulty trying to get it working again. I happened to know about computers, so I went over to her to see if I could help. I was shocked to discover that they were running Windows XP on all their computers. Microsoft hasn't released security updates for Windows XP for years. And Microsoft promptly suggested all XP users to upgrade ASAP at the time, as all XP computers would pose a security risk. Imagine that, Windows, Microsoft warned of this. But yet here we are in 2020, October 2020, wife giving birth and the main health services in this country still using Windows XP. I told her this and even said the system is extremely vulnerable to attack as there is zero protection and she should tell her superiors immediately. But she shrugged it off and said, what can I do? At this stage, the baby was not being monitored for a period of 15 minutes during advanced labor. While everything worked out perfectly in the end, it's concerning if this is happening frequently. This worried me and I thought, how many more women had computer issues around monitoring the baby during their birth? I thought that it was only a matter of time, to be honest, and their system would be hacked as they basically had zero security protection. Their computers were unreliable on top of it. This to me shows what kind of an organization the HSE is and what the people at the top are really concerned about, i.e. salary, bonuses, and buying a holiday home or a second rather than looking after the people of Ireland. This, to me, is the HSE cutting corners and not providing a proper service. The workers, the doctors and the nurses then have to suffer the consequences. Best regards, says Kean. The workers, the doctors and the nurses suffering the consequences and now the state and now all of the patients of the HSE and other government departments, all because they were using an outdated Microsoft Windows XP. And you're saying that Microsoft warned of security risks 
years ago because there have been no updates and no patches for that system for years. Your thoughts on that and lots more besides. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. So Pat Phelan referred to a war room um, with regards to the biggest tech heads in the country and probably internationally as well in Ireland or working remotely um, with Ireland to try and fix this. Amongst them is Ronan Murphy. He runs the uh, core company Smart Tech and Pat was saying that they're right in the centre of it and they need people like Ronan Murphy in there. And I hope to have a chat with him as soon as he's free at some stage in the coming days. But uh, there's a core company involved there, Smart Tech. Uh, mind you, the independent, we're talking about maybe between 17 and 20,000 hospital patients a day being affected. So work that out by week and by month. That's why one of the papers this morning is suggesting that it's upwards of uh, three quarters of a million or more appointments being cancelled. Um, uh, yesterday, patients, say, for instance, needing radiotherapy and chemotherapy for cancer treatment. They all had their uh, appointments uh, cancelled or an awful lot of them. In fact, the Independent spoke to the Cork oncologist, Professor Seamus O'Reilly, and he says this is extremely disruptive. He said for patients who are awaiting tests, they can't be done. And for those who've had them, we can't access the results. Every computer we would have gone to has been shut down completely. And of course, outpatients in many hospitals have been cancelled uh, today, although people are being advised to turn up on yes, on yeah, the, I mean, the advice is unless you've been contacted to say that you've been cancelled, turn up, yeah, turn up. So I will come back to all of that and lots more besides. On Friday's program, or maybe it was Thursday, it was one of the other. Remember, there was referencing we were doing a lot on on fake news and people were talking about the the Great Reset. And during one part of a conversation, one of the callers. Uh, quite passionate caller was talking about we were clearly talking about COVID and COVID related issues um, but she made um, a claim that a picture showing people who were unwell on the streets of India because of the impact of COVID-19 was a fake picture uh, and the video footage was fake and she was saying that it was from an old India gas leak video that was recorded at the time for news services uh, Mark Wellington fact-checked that over the weekend, and it turns out that um, she was right. The image used, uh, say, for instance, in the article written by the New York Post and then spread by others around the world about the COVID-19 pandemic actually does come from a video that was taken in 2020 after a gas leak in India. So that was fake, that news that was talking about showing video footage and photographs of people suffering during the pandemic and the outbreak in India, it was old video footage from the gas leak. Um, the New York Post removed the video that was featured in the article and put in a correction saying the earlier version of the story included video provided by Reuters, which incorrectly identified gas leak victims as COVID-19 victims. They even changed the headline to remove any mention of the bodies in the street uh, because the bodies in the street were uh, as a result of a gas leak and not COVID-19. So it's important really just to uh, uh, to correct that, or at least to say, well, you were right. Uh, and God knows, you just can't, you just don't know what's true or what's fake now anymore. So you don't. Anyway, I referenced uh, Corkman Ronan Murphy, Group Chief, Chief Executive with Smart Tech. I just want to stay with this for another little while. Pat Phelan contributed an awful lot, but I want to get Ronan's take on this. He's been on the air with us on a number of occasions in the past. Ronan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Firstly, I, you clearly didn't hear Pat Phelan. I mean, he's an incredible wealth of knowledge, and I thank him for it. He mentioned that you're you're right in the centre of all of this right now, are you? Yeah, we are. We um, well, we, we operate cybersecurity operation centres across the world, and um, 
uh, a lot of the very big tier one um, hospitals in Ireland are our clients. So we've been um, we've been working twenty four seven since um, since Thursday night, um, early Thursday night, um, uh, until now. And there's a, there's a bit a bit of a way left to go in this. It's a I, I would say Neil, um, in, I've been in, in this game a long time, and this is by far the most significant cyber attack I would say the world has ever seen. Um, is it because? And Pat Phelan says, I'm paraphrasing now that they're running Windows XP, which is, to be kind, an ancient system. Um, it, it, look, that's a problem. That is a problem. It's not the cause of this, but it is a problem. Look, any company, any organization that's using vulnerable technologies is going to be have a higher chance of having uh, a cyber attack. But in this specific case, the legacy operating systems were not the, the, the cause of this. Um, the profile of this is a little bit different, right? And this is important in so far as that um, somebody was fished, right? These guys, they're, they're, they're a Russian gang. I've dealt with them many times. They're, they, they, they fish you, right? They send you an email. Somebody clicks on the link. And once they get in, they establish what we call as a CMC command and control, right? They, get, they, 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 they have a communication into the network. And then they, they've got very, very skilled uh, a skilled team who will execute some scripts within the network, uh, COBOL strike and um, uh, various different techniques. And irrespective, for the most part on your, your systems, they are very proficient in their ability to navigate around the network and to do their, um, to do their, their, their execute their techniques. And unfortunately, um, that's the case that the HSE finds themselves in. These guys are, are very proficient. Now, look, Pat is in absolutely 100% right. I mean, if you've got lots, lots of legacy systems, XP and all that, you have a bigger problem in your, your channel. But you're using a very kind word. You call it legacy systems. Others would call them outdated, old systems. That's true. That's true. And it's, it's look, it's, it's, it's shocking. But, but there, there's bigger problems here as well, right? Um, it's not always that simple for the health service because it's actually very similar in pharmaceutical, I would say. They have got lots of equipment for CAT scanning and dialysis and cancer treatments. And these, these machines, big, they're almost like manufacturing machines to a degree. I mean, you've been in a CAT scan machine or an X-ray machine before. They're manufactured by companies like GE. And because of how they were built, a lot of the technology that runs them only works with specific operating systems and therefore they, they need to use older technologies. I'm not trying to make an excuse, by the way. But in healthcare of all industries, it can be very, very difficult to upgrade systems. Now, look. Banks do it, though, don't they? We don't hear of a bank being asked for a 20 million euro ransom this morning. Um, <laughs> you'd be surprised. Banks have challenges too. I okay. mean, banks, okay. pl- banks have banks have plenty of challenges. Um, so look, systems they they are behind the curve. Path entirely, one hundred percent correct there. Um, they they do need to invest. The government does need to make more substantial investment in upgrading their infrastructure. It is way behind, but it was not the cause of this. Okay. This would have happened even if their their systems were a little bit newer. I would say. Okay, so even if they had up to date, kick ass tech and security and firewalls and everything that they needed, somebody still would have clicked and opened a, a PDF attachment, you're saying? Well, security is a different conversation then, right? Security, if they, the security obviously was not up to scratch. Um, therefore, they, 
were compromised. Um, but why, why isn't the government employing companies to protect the state against all of this? Or is it just inevitable that this is that they're one step ahead of us all of the time, the cyber criminals? Um, I mean, so last week in the US, you had this big piece of critical infrastructure. The colonial pipeline was hacked by a Russian gang called Darkside. Petrol. The the fallout from that was incredibly profound. I mean, there was three states in North America went into a state of emergency because they couldn't get fuel. You saw people filling up buckets with, with diesel and petrol and so forth. So on the back of that, Joe Biden on Thursday night issued an executive order to all US government bodies saying you now need to 45 days to double down and improving in, in, in your cybersecurity and your monitoring and your infrastructure and all that good stuff. I believe Ireland will have to follow suit. It'll have to be um, become a regulatory uh, conversation for, for every government agency whereby, as Pat said, they upgrade their infrastructure, they improve their security, they train their people, because... Right now, I mean, what has happened is so profoundly insane, the scale of this attack. I mean, I've, I've never seen a bigger attack on a country in the middle of... We're in the midst of a pandemic and they've taken the health service for an entire country yeah, down. I think they probably knew that being in the midst of a pandemic might force payment faster. You'd wonder whether it would make sense to get somebody to come from the dark side, one of the cyber criminals, to flip and to teach us how we can protect ourselves from his buddies and his cohorts. I mean, I know that's the stuff of yeah, well, movie, well, we, movies, I mean, maybe. We, we, we know how to stop it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk out there saying that this was unstoppable. It wasn't unstoppable. These are stopped every single day. I mean, millions of them are stopped. And it's okay. You must remember that in this battle against these guys, you have to be right all the time. It's high-stakes poker. They only need to be right once. And if they're right once and if your house isn't in order and you haven't made the investment and your systems aren't updated and you don't have the ability to implement this, this, this security monitoring and so forth, you find yourself in the predicament that, that you're in now. I think people would be raging to hear, though, that, you know, I know I've said it already, but that the systems are certainly, um, you know, to be kind, old. Yeah. What, what happens with regards to whether one should pay or not? Just dwell on that for a moment. Um, does that does that make any sense? Yeah. Look, it's the it's the eternal debate, right? So I'll start off by saying I'm an advocate for not paying. I don't believe you should pay, but there's another line of thought that it should be debated. Um, and again, I'm 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 saying you shouldn't pay. That line of thought is that if you pay. The, these guys have a reputation to uphold um, and they've got a very substantial business. They collect hundreds of millions of dollars every year. By people paying them then? Correct, by people paying them. So if you pay, you will get your data decrypted. They do decrypt, I've dealt with it many, many, many times. Because if they don't, right, they're going to put themselves out of business. At the end of the day, it's about money, they're business people, they're, well, they're scrupulous criminals, but they're also business people. So if you pay them, you will get the decryption keys back and you will get to decrypt your, your network and so forth. There's a bigger problem here, and this is the, where the debate comes in. Um, because the hospitals are frontline and they need to deliver care and um, the inability to do that, it's literally a life and death conversation. So expediting that, what's the value you place on that? But secondly, and very importantly, these guys, Wizard Spider, who've perpetrated the crime, have 
indicated that they've exfiltrated 700 gigabits of data, which is a huge repository of patient data or healthcare data. And their tactic is that they dump that data publicly if you do not pay. Yeah. It's called the double extortion trend. So what you have to consider now is when this whole thing of paying or not paying is brought up, right, is that we need to get our systems back up and running. This is life and death. And there's also the consideration of what happens if this data is made public, if they have taken it. And what's the cost we put on that? So again, I say you don't pay. Have you dealt with companies who have paid? I made a payment last week for a company. You made a payment? I made a payment last week for a company in company in Asia to a bunch of hackers in St. Petersburg. I negotiated with them. How much? Um, We... A million euros. Good God. Um, so we negotiated the payment. They released the, they, they unblocked the systems then? Yeah, they fully unblocked, fully decrypted. And, All the keys were given. And how do you know that they won't come back to your client again? Because that client is now a soft touch. Uh, see, typically with these guys, the client, we know exactly how they got in. We know exactly how they exploited them. The client has now made the investment to harden all of those weak spots within their infrastructure. There's no guarantee they won't come back. I doubt the client will get caught again. Um, based on where they had holes in their environment, they've now doubled down and hardened all that and fixed it and secured it. So um, they might come back again. I can't guarantee they won't. I mean, this specific in, this, this specific case, the client decrypted their data. They got back up and running. I told them not to pay. I don't believe they should have paid. They funded a criminal organization by paying and they put that organization in a position where um, they're going to go and commit more of these crimes. Um, but they've saved their business. Now, there's an ethical conversation to be had. There's, um, there's, there's you know, it's... it's, 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 it's but we're not, but you, you don't know whether Ireland is having that conversation about pay or not pay. I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay. I, I mean, it's been indicated by Michael Martin and the government that they will not pay. Um, you know, it's, 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 I know we know the ransom has been made. They're looking for $20 million. Um, and that $20 million is based on two things. It's, the decryption keys of the data and it's the promise to not dump the data publicly okay. Um, okay. and, and they'll, they'll have to get to the bottom of that and how long will how, okay let's say they don't negotiate and they want to fix it and they have people like you helping how long would that take? You'll, you'll, you'll have a shelf life of a week on this and after a week you'll typically um, the bad guys will know that the game is up that they're not going to pay because they've absorbed all the cost of the the, the efforts of trying to reinstate their, their networks and so forth. So it's about a week typically from from when the negotiations start, which I would anticipate if negotiations have or have not started would have been possibly uh, yesterday. So you're probably going to have a week. Um, it's probably highly unlikely the Irish government will, will pay. And then they will just dump it on the dark web and that'll be everyone's passwords and personal details and clinical records and medical care and healthcare and everything. So we do, they, they, it's important, Neil, we don't know the profile of the data that okay. they're claiming to have taken. They're okay. saying it's 700 gigs from the HSE, but nobody knows what that actually is. Okay. Be good to stay in touch with you um, in the coming days if you're not too busy, Ronan, just to, in case there are developments. But I really appreciate you stepping out. Thanks for taking the call for now. Appreciate it. Neil, just, just one point, and look, I think it's, it's probably worth noting as well, there's, there's been significant demands coming in over the last 12 hours from North Korea, where they're targeting all of our internet service providers um, with distributed denial of service attacks. What's that mean? Um, it's where they're trying to knock their, they're threatening to knock their systems offline from Friday. 
Um, so it's 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 uh, it's it's quite worrying to see. You were just uh, saying there that North Korean criminals are attacking Irish businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Lazarus Group have started. We've just put it out on Twitter this morning. They started all this week. They've been doing. Um, they've been sending ransom demands to internet service providers who provide your your internet and so forth, threatening to take them down from Friday if they don't start paying them uh, Bitcoin. So there's been we've been observing a number of those attacks. We've seen some of the ransom notes now coming through to those service providers. Had a good conversation this morning with Jerry Sweeney and Cork Internet Exchange about it. Um, uh, they're they're indicating that from Friday they're going to ramp up their attacks on those internet service providers. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether the internet sub- suppliers who provide us with our own personal and business broadband and Wi-Fi whether they pay. Well, they won't pay. They, 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 they definitely won't pay, and they, they should have they should have capabilities in situ to deal with these kinds of denial of service attacks. But it just shows how prevalent this problem is becoming. And as Pat said, it's been driven by cryptocurrency and the value of cryptocurrency. Um, so it's it's it's. We're, we're, I mean, it feels like the country's on a war footing right now. Incredible. Thank you, Ronan. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you for Thank taking you. the call. On a war footing, Ronan Murphy, Chief Exec with Smart Tech. Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, uh, a war footing um, under attack, not with guns or bombs, but cyber attack. And we'll come back to that again throughout the course of the morning. Your texts are welcome. Text 0868-104-106. I see emails coming in as well. And many people asking questions about their their own security. Um, whether any of their data could be breached in many different ways. You know, you get all of these different phone calls and emails from people. Even, even here's an example of it, to be honest with you. I'm wondering if you could ask your listeners about my query in light of the HSE cyber attack. My doctor surgery called me on Friday to book my COVID vaccine this coming Wednesday, and they asked me for my PPS number on the call. I didn't give it on the call, but said I would bring it with me on Wednesday when I go for the vaccine when we know more about the implications of this attack. But I'm more nervous now handing over my PPS than having the vaccine itself. Does anyone know uh, who the PPS information is shared with? The receptionist in the surgery said she wasn't sure why it was needed and that it might be connected to having the passport to enable travel long term. I'm just worried now that the surgery won't give me my vaccine if I don't hand over my PPS Anybody got any advice, says Mary. I think the chances are that they have it already, uh, your PPS number. Um, I know that when you go for the vaccine, they will ask you for your PPS. But they, they, I imagine if you're asking me, they probably want it just to prove that you are who you claim to be. And they use two forms of identification. One would be that you would bring a driver's license with you or a passport. And the other would be that you would be able to tell them your PPS. I think they probably have it already, but they just want to confirm that you are who you are. At this stage now, if you have hackers going through all sorts of different government departments as we speak, um, all of those government departments, if you ever engaged with them, they all have your PPS number anyway. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't not get the vaccine because you won't give your PPS number. I mean, don't let that stop you. I know you're worried about it, but you'll probably find that there are many people and many organizations that have it already. Uh, I'll come back to all of that. Text 0868 if you have any calls or queries. But um, many, many more people back to work this morning and all retail open now for the first time in months. 
hundreds of days for many and tens and tens of thousands of people anywhere from 70,000 plus going back to work into work for the first time in a long, long time. So another aspect of this is that we go into the summer and there will be hotel availability and there will be guest house availability, but there'll be a lot less availability for renting properties and cottages and holiday homes for a week or 10 days or a fortnight. Um, And many of them are already booked up across the summer. So for people that are still searching, and it's fine, you know, if you can go into a hotel or a B&B, that's great. But for many families, they can't do that with small kids. They need their own space. And that's why holiday homes and cottages and summer lets are very, very handy and high demand. But it would appear that prices are increasing on those that are left. How many are left? I have no idea. But Caroline had an incredible conversation, albeit online, trying to rent a property recently. She joins me by phone. Caroline, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Well, fair play to you. Um, thank you for all of the information you provided. What were you trying to do? Um, I was just like that now looking at summer to bring the kids for away for a week or so. Um, and I was just scrolling through um, and I came across that house then. And were you uh, scrolling through daft or something or where? It was daft, yeah. No, I was after being on Dundee. I was after being on um, house lettings and different sites. But um, that one came up for the area where I was looking for. Okay, so this is uh, near beaches in Kerry. What area? Uh, Ballyhike. Okay, all right. So you started by putting in a query. So you're Carolyn and I'm the agent. So, so, yeah. So you... This is the back and forth between you and the agent who was representing the property owner, is it? Yeah, and it was all through email. So, yeah. So you said, you sent off an email, go for it. Yeah, so, uh, hi, I'm just inquiring about the house. Is it available in July, start of August? Please, kind regards, Carolyn. The agent said, hi, Carolyn, thank you for your inquiry. I have one week remaining in July from Saturday the 17th. The price is €2,100, or I can offer you one week from Saturday the 21st of August for a price of €1,185. Kind regards. Um, Hi, thanks for getting back to me. I think that's an outrageous for a week. Shame on the person that came up with that price. Um, Very disappointing. Uh, when people are trying to stay local and support local businesses, you can pass on my email to the owner if you like. Regards, Carolyn. You need to cop on. Strange, isn't it, how people think nothing of paying this and much more money for a foreign property, and then you add on the flights. You need to get a life. We're not all paupers anymore, and if you are, then shame on you. Um, hi, are you the owner or the agent? That is not very professional email to be sending to a customer. Um, we own a house in Spain and our prices are from five to 900 a week. I will be sending this on to the media. Regards, Carolyn. Must be some house in Spain. Do what you like, but bitching about something isn't going to change it. Those days are long gone, thank God. As for not being professional, do you think that anyone is going to listen to your type of crap anymore? and not give you the answer you undoubtedly deserve, Mrs. Bouquet, with your French champagne expectations on a Lidl beer budget? Um, lost for words, really. Oh, and if you're stuck for a few bob as well, let me know, smiley face. 
um, you never answered my question. Are you the owner? You're not a customer. You have no rights to any information other than what I give you. So please, get lost. Waste your own time or someone else's. I have no fear of your implied threats or SHIT talk. For future reference, you should be aware that when you speak to someone in the manner in which you did, do not be surprised or get all high drama, astonished and upset when you're answered in kind. I spoke in no manner or trash. Have a good day. Might see you in Belly Hike in Fla Hives for a drink. Have a nice day. <laughs> that's, that's, it's hard to believe if I hadn't seen the back and forth between you and her or he. We don't know whether it was male or female, but whoever it was. I mean, it's astonishing, carry on, isn't it? Do you know, I thought first, I was saying, is there somebody having me on? That was going to be my next question. Do you think that you were legitimately talking to or back and forth with the agent? I think you were. Um, I was, because, like, I went through the, um, the daft, through her email that is on daft. She and could, there like, is a phone number coming up as well. Yeah. Uh, which is an 066 number, which is for that area. She could just as easily have said, when you, she says, I have one week remaining because you were looking for something in July or the start of August. So forget about the August one because it was the 21st yeah. of August. So the July date suited you, 2,100 euro for one week. And you came yeah. back and said, it's an outrageous price, shame on blah, 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 blah. She could have just come back and said, well, thank you for your uh, reply. That's the price. Uh, let yeah, me know. Exactly. Let me know if you want to proceed. Yeah, I, I thought the very same. No, I know maybe we all have bad days. Um, businesses are struggling, um, but yeah, I'm. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I just can't make it out at all for that kind of type of language and saucy, like, isn't it? Yeah, she should be in the house. Yeah. Very, very saucy, Mrs. Bouquet, with your French champagne expectations on a Lidl beer budget. I mean, like... Yeah, and like, she don't know people's circumstances, like, or who she's texting, or I could have been anybody. Yeah, I'm hearing that we emailed the same house yesterday and the same person replied to the email. I I don't know what kind of um, language was used or, you know, what the conversation was like, um, but... It's the same person you spoke to responded to us. So it is legit. It's a legitimate person <laughs> with an attitude to potential renters. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just, I'm like, it's, it's not that it was a house with jacuzzis and um, all these extras. It was a three-bedroom normal house. Okay, so that moves me on. What normally would have been the price for a Ballyhog th- three-bedroom rental for a week in July? Probably a grand, maybe 1,200? Yeah, and like, I, I, th- th- that didn't bother me, but it was just the price of it. I was like, this is jumping on the bandwagon. Well, obviously, if, the price, is ne- for- yeah, if the price is nearly doubled. Yeah. I but, was, when I got it first, I was like, is that for the month? I know, yeah. But obviously, people are paying this kind of money if she's only got one week remaining. But they must be. They must be. Because I actually looked up for the hotel um, no, uh, in Ballyhike, uh, the White Sands. I could, or there's a hotel in Ballyroe just between Ballyhike and Tralee. And I could stay there for two weeks for the same price. 
Isn't it incredible? You see, families want their own place for the kids, you know, where they can come and go, do yeah, their own bit like of cooking. Like an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. So hotels like, don't always... Because I know, I know hotels have lots of facilities. I understand all of that. But yeah. at the same time, there's nothing better having your own pad for a week or two weeks where you can come and go and do your own thing. So you're... You're still looking then, are you? Yeah. Like, I, we, I could go to Spain, as she say, and I don't know where she's getting her prices from. Yeah, but... Because I'd be gone to Spain for weeks for that. Well, you would have thought, I don't know, it depends on the hotel cost, but you have flights and everything. Would, would, a, would a family of maybe four, two adults, two or three kids... Get to Spain for a week with hotels and everything for twenty one hundred. Well, as I said, a family member have a house in Spain. Yeah. So I'd pay for the flights. Um, and the houses in Spain are between five hundred and nine hundred a week for the summer, are they? Yeah. And in Ireland, they're twenty one hundred for a week in in Kerry. Yeah, yeah. Now I do love Kerry. I, I, I know, I, I know that, Kerry but it's, and, it's it's her and attitude. If you have the weather, it's. But yeah, it's her attitude and a pauper. I didn't hear that word in years. I know. Saucy. Saucy. And that if saucy. I'm still a pauper, shame on you. So she don't know my circumstances. If you're stuck for a few bob, let me know. Very yeah, condescending. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I think we had someone else on about the same house a couple of months back. So um, uh, she just, maybe she's not interested in engaging with people. That's the price. Take it or leave it. Don't be wasting my time. Yeah, because I said maybe she was sick sick to death for people. Um, yeah, but all you do then is you just say, thank you for your query. Thank you for coming back to me. That's the price. Let me know if you want it. Yeah. Well, I know certainly if I had a house and if I had it rented in an agent or I don't know whether it's the agent or the owner because I asked it. Don't twice. know. Don't know. Don't know. But if I had a house and I had it out with an agent and I thought an agent was speaking to somebody like that... I know, you'd be livid. They wouldn't have it no more. You'd be absolutely livid. I hope that you find somewhere um, and that whoever you get in touch with is kinder and has a better manner about them. Um, but thank yeah. you for sharing no, it. Thank I, you for I was actually me. vicious. Yeah, I can understand. Friday. I can understand. I was like, oh my God, yeah. Okay, uh, Caroline, uh, we will continue to see if we can get to the bottom of whoever this person is and love to give them an opportunity to, um, you know, I don't know I don't know how you could defend that kind of carry-on, but you know what I mean, if I, if I have any updates right well, here I'd back. Well, I'd love if you were yeah. able to get yeah. on the air, You never know, you never know, you never know. Yeah. I'll be back yeah. to you. Thanks, Caroline. Okay, take care. All Thanks. the best. Bye. Text 0868104106, particularly if you're having um, any kind of communication with the people who are handling, handling you in a like-minded manner because it's just not acceptable. Or any prices that you can share with us, uh, particularly if you're looking for holiday rentals, what you have paid, what you're being asked to pay. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. She wouldn't win any awards for warm customer service um, friendliness. Uh, morning, I'm a taxi driver operating in Cork City. On the 1st of May, 11.30pm, I was badly attacked inside my taxi with two drunk customers at Bishopstown in Cork. I've been to the hospital four times. Uh, I got a fracture from the bone near my eye and the nerve near my right eye is now damaged. Right now, I cannot feel my cheek, my nose, my lip on the right side, they're all paralyzed. And the doctor said that I could stay like that with months of pain. That's an email I got from a Cork taxi driver who even now 
17 days later, is still in pain and in paralysis from that attack by two drunk customers in Bishopstown. Uh, fractured bone, the eye bone, just around the eye, the nerve near the right eye damaged, um, and paralysis in the cheek, nose, and lips. Um, not in a position to come on air when we asked him to come on air because he just wasn't able to communicate properly and you wouldn't be able to understand much of what he was trying to say, the misfortunate man. I'm, I'm hoping that you have been uh, to the Gardaí. In fact, I think uh, I know that you have been to the Gardaí. Uh, you know, um, I, I would just love... Uh, and the guards are doing incredible work these days. Never have seen them busier. Uh, and that's another one, of course, that they will need to investigate. Two drunk customers beating up and attacking a taxi driver. I mean, it's just appalling. Um, don't give up my private details, but we were going to the marina market on Sunday. This is yesterday morning. It was a lovely sunny morning and the area was quiet at the time. We parked our car on the quayside alongside other cars. That would be Kennedy Key, wouldn't it? Kennedy Key. Uh, while at the market, word went around the market that clamping was in progress on the key. We left immediately, but unfortunately, by the time we got to the car, it was too late and our car was clamped. There was absolutely no evidence of any signage to show us that we shouldn't park in the area. We paid our €125 Euro fine in order to have our car released and the APCOA employee pointed to the sign at the very end of the key way beyond the market on a wall facing the road. This sign was in no way visible to us or the people around us. It was extremely frustrating and it totally spoiled our day. I always like to support local businesses, but especially in the present COVID climate, I try to do so even more. If Cork City Council want people to visit Cork and support these local businesses, they really need to look at signage around the city. Um, I would like you to bring this to people's notice as the air, as an area to avoid parking, uh, maybe spare upset to many young, to many people visiting the market, including a lot of families with young children on a leisurely Sunday morning. Looking forward to our day. We didn't expect such a negative experience. Um, that's amazing on a, a lot of different levels, actually. I didn't know APCOA controlled the keys. I didn't know uh, that was the case. I mean, I've cycled down that area, particularly on Sunday mornings, and it gets very busy. The actual car park inside at the Marina Market is usually full by late morning. Um, so, And I have seen cars then parking up on the quays. I don't know whether they think that it's a danger for cars and people and kids to be parking up near the water. Perhaps that's it. I didn't even know um, that the City Council, if they're acting on behalf of City Council... I didn't even know the city council clamped anymore. I thought all that was gone. Um, I thought it was just fines. Um, so anybody, and I also don't know from the email how many other cars were clamped. You say word went around the clamping was in progress. You went out and your car was clamped. How many others were clamped there on the keys? Um, families out trying to spend a bit of time. There's very few parking areas there near the marina market because you can't park on the road. And the car park itself, because it, it's very busy there. I mean, thank God the vast majority of people at the marina market are outdoors, uh, you know, engaging and eating and having a coffee or soft drink or an ice cream or a sandwich or a hot dog or whatever. Outdoors. But did many others get clamped as well? Please come back to me if you experienced the same. Text 0868104106. Um, from holiday rentals, trying to get somewhere across the summer, somewhere in Ireland, to overseas travel. Molly, good morning. Morning, Neil. Thanks for holding. I appreciate your patience. So yourself and no your problem. four friends, five of you, booked a holiday package. Was it a leaving cert one? 
yeah, it was a Leaving Cert holiday. Um, we were due to go in July last year. Okay, it says 2019 you booked it. We booked on the 4th of September 2019, yeah. Uh, there was right. a group of five of us and we booked two apartments. But there was a total of almost 30 booked, was it, for Santa Ponza? Yeah, it was Santa Ponza. There was loads of us going. Um, but in our group, ourselves, we just uh, there was five of us, yeah. Okay, and you were due to go when? In July 2020. All right, so obviously that didn't happen because nobody went anywhere in July 2020. And then it was all yeah. about either getting a refund or rescheduling. What happened next? Um, they got back onto us and asked us whether we wanted vouchers or whether we wanted a refund. And, you know, we kind of had no idea whether we'd be able to get on a holiday um, or when the next availability would be. So we just decided to get a refund. Um, it was cancelled, I think it was this time last year, so about 12 months ago. Um, and we still have got no refund. And break down the holiday. Obviously, it was flights and an apartment, wasn't there? Yeah, it was flights and accommodation and hotel transfer. Um, it, we paid in total about two hundred uh, or two thousand euro. Sorry, um, between the five of us going. Two thousand euro between the five years, four hundred a pop. That's good value. Yeah, it was actually great at the time. We were shocked. Um, we didn't have it all fully paid, so we paid around, like they have around 2,000 euro from us. I think it was a small bit over that. I think it was like 550 each. 550. For how long? Uh, we were going for a week. So a week, flights and an apartment, 550. That's not bad, I have to say. You must have been happy yeah. enough with that. That's not bad. We were bad delighted enough. at the start. Okay. Yeah, and who did you make the bookings with? Um, we booked through a travel agent in Cork City. Okay, and who were the travel agents you booked with? Um, I don't think I should probably say the name now. Oh, that's fair enough. But you've been on, on to them um, back and radio. forth, have you? Yeah, they've been, no, to be fair, they have been in contact with us quite a lot. and um, They've answered our emails and stuff like that. But um, at the start, we kind of thought that it was because we were so young that like we were wondering where we'd be taken advantage of. Um, because we were a group of 18 and 19 year olds who had booked, you know, and we got uh, parents involved and stuff like that with the communication, hoping that it would, you yeah. know, help us. In yeah, some expedite it, um, speed it up, yeah. Yeah. Grown-ups, like, is it? Get grown-ups involved. <laughs> yeah, get the mothers and fathers involved, but <laughs> unfortunately had no effect. Okay, so um, when you say no effect, you had been asked as to whether you wanted vouchers or refund. You chose refund. The travel agency then have to go to the likes of Falcon, is it? Uh, we booked with Aer Lingus. Okay, they have to go to Aer Lingus. Did Aer Lingus, but who provided the apartment? Oh, I'm not sure. I okay. couldn't tell you. They then have to go looking for your money from others, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And what reasons have they given for the delay? We've been told um, that the money for the apartment and that the hotel transfer came back, but that the flights are just coming back with a voucher, um, even though we had requested um, a money refund rather than a voucher. And I know loads of people who have gotten money back from Aer Lingus really quickly. Um, it seems the delay is with Ryanair. But we actually requested to fly Aer Lingus, so we're really unsure of why it's taking so long, you know. The travel agents are saying that it's Aer Lingus are dragging their feet. Why don't they give you the money back for the transfer in the apartment, though? At least get some get the ball rolling there. I know. I'm not too sure um, what the story is there, like whether we can, whether they can only give it all back at once or whether they can give, you know, the flights in the ho- or the apartment in the hotel transfer and then wait for the flights because there seems to be no movement um, in regards to the refund for the flights. And on the basis of not you giving me back the money for the flights because they haven't got it yet, they're not giving you back the money for the apartment? Yeah, no, we haven't received anything. Okay, okay. All right, ho- hold on there if you will. Let me talk to Darren first. Darren, good morning. 
going? Thanks, thanks for the email. It's always better to hear the story. So you're in a large group booking for a stag, was it? Yeah, so it was um, May last year, so so almost a year ago. We were due to fly to Malta. Um, I think it was about 30 of us all together. And we booked through the travel agent. And was it all before, well man. booked before COVID? You knew nothing of COVID when you made that booking? No, no. It was yeah. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was organised before that. Um, no, I, I've been told not to name the travel agent because there's a bit of work going on in the background there with that. Um, well, I'd be, so ta- I'd be talking to the travel agent in a moment, so don't worry. I'll come back to that in a few minutes. But anyway, so you were to go uh, May of last year, stag to Malta. What you yeah. pay? What you pay? It was three hundred euros altogether. That's flights and accommodation. I think for three nights it was. Um, so the was that a hotel or where were you? You weren't staying under a bridge or something like that's great. Uh, no, I don't think it was anything too fancy. No, I right. weren't really worried about that. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was good value, but so yeah, everything was through the travel agents. I think we paid a deposit initially, maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty euros, and then everyone was to pay the balance. And so we haven't. I do believe there was some money refunded for the hotel. Um, but that was, it wasn't much really. Um, and according to the travel agents, Ryanair haven't paid anything else out for the flight refund. Um, so if you check with the Ryanair website... Yeah, they, you see you'll have a problem with Ryanair because Ryanair said they won't deal with what they call screen scrapers, people making bookings yeah. on your behalf, that they would give you the money back if you booked the flight directly with Ryanair. Yeah, so the problem there is then if I try to go on and onto their customer ver- verification page... If I try to put in my booking, um, basically the travel agent has, we'd say, split all of the 30 bookings into five separate bookings. Do you know what I mean? So we say name one, yeah. we'd have yeah. five bookings. So like one reference number covers five or six people, which could be, you know, 800 or a grand or whatever. Yeah. And um, so it'd be very messy then for us to try and claim that back and then dish it out to all of the lads, you know. So, so when Ryanair claimed that they have paid out all refunds, they have to those that book directly with Ryanair. Yeah, that seems to be the case. But yeah. because you went through a travel agents, it's different for you. Yeah. But so, yeah, why can't you get the money back for the uh, accommodation? Uh, well, they have refunded some of that back, but I think the guy who made the original booking is just going to hold on to that just and just try and give every, everything back to everyone at the same time rather than, you know... So in your in both of your cases, it seems to be the airlines that are holding everything up. Yeah, well, yeah, but but I suppose the travel agent could make it easier if if they gave us all, um, like if it was possible to give us all an individual booking number, and then we could possibly go about and um, try to claim it back ourselves. You know, but you won't be able to do that. I've 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 had that problem with Ryanair, and I also had it with uh, EasyJet. You won't be able to find any information regarding your booking because yeah, because the travel agent, because the travel it, agent yeah. or the screen scraper or in my case Kiwi they made the bookings and uh, EasyJet and Ryanair don't want to talk to them yeah so, yeah, so we're in a bit of a, a bit of a predicament yeah so what do we do you know I didn't know that Aer Lingus were behaving that way though yeah, we were kind of shocked because, you know, my own mum booked a holiday and they got their money back uh, quite quickly and they were Aer Lingus. My aunt had money back from Aer Lingus quite quickly. Normally Aer Lingus are quite reliable, so we were kind of shocked that um, they keep coming back with vouchers. Okay, okay. I was due to talk with the travel agent, but I'm being told in my ear now that 
they're not picking up right now. So I'm going to park it for now until such time as they are ready to talk to me on the air and we'll see if we can get some answers. Do you think that there are others in a similar scenario to, to both of yourselves, Maria? I'd, ima- I'd imagine so, absolutely sure. Like, I mean, in like the amount of holidays that could have been booked and there's, yeah, I'd imagine there's, there's loads of people in the same situation. What about so, you, Molly? You think that there's others like you? Do you think there's I many think people so, who yeah. are going on leaving cert holidays in the same situation? Um, a lot of my friends who would have been in my year group in school, um, they all have their money back. Majority of them, nearly all of them have their money back. Um, so like when I was talking to them and then when they were hearing that we still have had no money back, it was kind of like a shock because they got theirs months and months ago. Um, so that's why I was kind of reaching out, you know, to see if anyone else was kind of in a similar situation in regards to leaving Cartology is getting money back. Um, so the rest of your the rest situation. of your group who are going to Santa Panza, did they book with a different tra- different travel agent? Yeah, and got there. And they but they also made bookings for the same apartment and this and and Aer Lingus. Yeah, for the same apartment and for the same flights and everything and they have money back from both. They've got everything back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Some questions need answering. Okay. Okay, don't stray too far from the phone. When I have an update on this, I'll come back to you both, all right? Right, thanks, Neil. Cheers, Darren. Uh, cheers, Molly. Uh, we will talk again. I'm assuming that the Leaving Cert holiday will happen at some stage and the stag will happen at some stage. I think, actually, Darren, are you are you gone now at this stage? You're still there? I'm still here, yeah. What what, what happened? Did your man get married? Uh, no, no, it's postponed. Um, <laughs> so. Okay, so the stag yeah. got postponed and the wedding as well. So there's hope at some stage in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> all right, let me see if I can get some answers. Thanks for now. Text 0868104106 if you're in a similar scenario and we can make some representations on your behalf. Email actually is a good way to go about that because at least you can tell the story better in an email, I think. Neil at redfm.ie. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Uh, a lot of good texts actually from uh, the back end of last week. Uh, a lot of it to do with kids playing ball. You would think that everybody would be happy with kids playing ball out in the green areas playing ball but it's causing an awful lot of grief in one or two housing estates on the north side Um, and Keith uh, was very very irate with the way the kids were behaving particularly on Thursday Um, just if if, if you didn't hear the program uh, when he was on air um, he was talking about ball kicking um, you know hitting cars uh, some of the kids abusing the elderly, uh, people having to put mesh up on their windows. Uh, this is just a, a short, short snippet of what he said. This was from Wednesday. Do you know what, Noni? You can't say not the kids anymore. I went out there, so I, I said, that's it, I have enough. If you were living here, you wouldn't pull up with it. Look, I have great time that's up for people playing soccer. As I said, I used to look after them, right? But not I mean, if they're like, cursing and shouting and abusing people, no. I need to abusing. I need to was grand, right? They were waiting for injections here, that's what they're all the neighbours, right? And there's the kids over, and they're knocking at the doors, and this. And I said to one of the mothers, I said, come here, we're all in lockdown. I think they're fine, they're only kids. They're kids, they're 14 years of age. Knocking on the doors, I suppose, because the ball has gone into the garden or into the back garden. Things that happened for years and years when I was a kid, it was the same old carry-on. Um, there, it, uh, Many parents uh, have been back in touch saying... That it's Keith is doing the traumatizing. Um, they've been they've been there since February. Uh, they haven't been there since February, so they're not there all of the time. 
that cage has been there long before the boys were playing. And maybe if uh, that lady came out and spoke to the boys, she would see that they are respectable young lads, lovely boys who just want to play ball. Another text, will they ever give it a bloody rest? The whole country's been locked up for, for the last year. Leave the bloody kids, have a bit of fun and exercise. Now, the parents of the kids who are playing ball deny that they're anyway abusive to anybody. I live in Kilnap Place and I know three of the boys uh, who you are talking about. Uh, the man is totally portraying them as something else. They are a nice bunch of kids. Leave them alone. Let them play ball. They play ball in the terrace and no one over here has ever had an issue with them. And one final one. It sounds like an estate full of old people who don't like the young fellas being loud or messy or even playing ball. They need to get over there lovely green area, as in let the kids play. Angela, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? What are your thoughts on all of this? Oh, don't, don't even ask me. I have done. I'm, I'm, at, I'm living here 36 years, right? Yeah. I'm up a cul-de-sac, there's only 13 houses, right? Where? Uh, St. John's Well. Okay, okay. Now, Where exactly is St. John's Well? Do you know the pear shake down from the pear shake? I do, I do. Yeah, it's down the road from that. Okay, okay. So you're there right. a long, 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 long time, right? Oh, 36 years, okay. right? My front gate is a gold post from all down through the years. I have broke, I had broken windows. I've been battered with stones. Every time I go out now, there's even duck thrown into my, my past, Right? What do you mean dirt? Know. Like someone throwing muck in? Branches of trees. Right. Okay. Right. Oh, I was out cutting the grass last Thursday. Right. And banged the ball off the gate. And I just said, uh, we'll go over there and bang the, gate, the ball off your own gate. Right. With that, Mammy comes out. Did you accidentally hit the ball off the gate? Right. Anyway, she gave me f- abuse, right? For, for what? Like, like, give me an idea. I said that to the child, right? Because you said to the child, go and play ball off your own gate. She came out and gave you yeah. grief. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, the same man now... They're not an okay in their uh, own garbage. Uh, well, I won't, I, won't, I won't go into that. Let's just deal with what happened no. to you. She, yes. ga- she gave you grief for chastising oh, her yes. child. Yes, right? Saturday, Sunday then. Child came up. Right, he's about to live near. Bang, bang, bang at the bottom. Oh, I'll go right across here, right? Yeah. That yeah. side of my house. It's only about three feet away from my gate, right? And... Pound and pound and pound the gate, the one, all day yesterday. I suppose I, I, I'd lose the will to live if something was pounding constantly off the gate. Oh, this would be a ball. Yeah. On, yeah. I, I'd be here, the front door's locked, my front room is locked, my, my kitchen door, and I can still hear that pound and pound and pound. I know I'm going on a bit now. Well, you're obviously upset by it. Did you really have windows broken and stones I thrown? Have, yes, yes, yes. I've been intimidated now through the years. Relations called there one time at the gate, at the gate and uh, they were told if you park your car here, they're not left the river when you come out. All right. Well, I don't know who said that, so let's not let's oh, not identify no, no, anybody way, shape, or form on that it's one. Just a few years, I know. But uh, like. 
kids have to play, I suppose, you know, and playing ball is a great leisure activity and burns yeah, off the energy, keeps them fit. You know, they could be stuck indoors on a PlayStation. Two minutes, two minutes around the car, right down there, and all the foot round pick. Parents are slow. I was I was told last week from, by, by some of the parents that they're slow to allow their kids to stray too far. And a lot of the time, those pitches, there's um, rough characters there or people might be leaving needles from heroin injections. Can one of them go for it? Over there with them? do not men. Ah, well, you can't be. You mean chaperone the kids when they're playing ball? Yeah. Do you ever get it? Yeah. There's no one in parents in God's well that a bad play only up my 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 gate. Right. And there's you nothing know? you can do about it, is there? No. What can I do? But it's obviously you upsetting, know? isn't it? Oh it is. My front door is already bowy free from the gate. I have I have to put a lock now on the gate, right? I have to up the when I come out and up the when I come in. Otherwise, when the bar, if they come in the ball, they'd be it off the front door. So you have no peace then? Is that every day no. or is it at the weekends? Every or day. Mostly every day. No peace, no. I don't mind children just playing out there, but the pounding and pounding. Oh my God, it goes right through my head. And there are areas... All weather pitches nearby where they they're not locked up or anything. No, no, there's um, a play area, you know, with swings and things like that for kids, and it's now weather pitch. But how would they like if if I would go to a batter their gate with a ball? And uh, were you listening you know? to the stories from Kilnap Green last week? I just got the end of it. Yeah, 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 yeah saying what Keith had to say and what some of the parents had to say, denying what he was saying, saying that it's he's given the kids grief, that the kids never say it. Like, nobody, none of the kids have ever given you any cheek or anything, have they? Oh, they have, yeah. Name-calling. Name-calling. When, yeah. you're, when you're going in and out, is it? Yeah. Now, could you hear putting up for it? Now, I'm, the, I'm an old-age pensioner. I live here on my own. My husband died a few years ago. Even my husband, when he was up in bed, he was dying up in that bed. They were still playing ball and battering after, you know? No peace, even, right. in, no peace even when he was dying? No, no. And did you get on to the guards at all, or do they have a role to play in this? Oh, the mother says they have a right to play out there. They're, they can pound them all, you know? But you're you're a pensioner. You're not getting any peace. No, no, no. Uh, Keith, I need all things. All right, okay. Um, as your conversation started this last week, what do you make of what Angela has to say there? Thirty-five years of ball playing and abuse and smashed windows and stones thrown and name calling from the kids. It goes on, Dean. Goes on. The parents won't do nothing about it. Yeah, they come out and check on them have anything there that's, it. that's all they're doing is sitting down no need I missed the conversation on Friday right? oh you got a roasting saying you're the, call, oh, yeah. you're the cause of it all <laughs> you know I got a phone call from this fella right a Kelly fella and he said Kate are you Kate the buddy boy Kate I said my name is Keith same thing Kate 
I was listening to Mr. Pendleton, he said, what we do is, he said, we go to keys and we, we, we watch an old spirits and all stuff like that. He said, yeah, that's it. I heard you have a load of angels up now, Green. He said, I'm coming from Bellinspittle now because that's, that's never moved down there. But I heard you have a load of angels up now, Green. Can I rent your house for the weekend? I got 300 euros, Neil. What? But also the weekend. I got 300 euros. Ah, you're go away on that, lad. Go away on it. They were up here for the weekend. I stayed down in this one's there. They were up there filling the projectors and everything waiting for the angels to come out. Oh, so, what the heck? I came back anyway. I came back on the Sunday evening, right? The lads were there. I said, well, lads, how'd you get on? Ah, Kate, stop. Stop. There'll be no angels out in that green, he said. I said, why not? He said, there was a couple of lost souls out there. He said, they ate the ball up and down the place. And how is the angels going to come out in the green then? Did that really happen? Oh, yeah. You rented your house out to people who thought there were spirits. Yeah, thought there were spirits. And he gave me 300 euros. And he said, he said, Kate, Kate, I'm serious now. He said, Kate, you you have no angels out in that green. And you let them into your house for the weekend? Because they were fair, nice lads. And these were professionals only. I said, are you sure no, you didn't see any end? No, and, okay. no, I mean, this is completely off topic. No disrespect to to, yeah. uh, to Angela, but where did you get your number? Where did you get my number? Oh, I said, he, he got me on, the, on my, um, my uh, YouTube thing. <laughs> I said, that's really good. On my profile, I said, Neil. Right? But nobody told me nearly, he did say it to me now before he went away. He said, Kate, there was an old lad came over here to talk the other night. We were just sitting down having a cup of tea. So we said, look, the angels are not going to come out now because Kate was taking the ball everywhere. Everywhere. You're just taking the mick now, aren't you? I'm not, Neil. He said, Kate, I tell you one thing now. If them lads, he said, don't stop playing ball. And they, they'll end up the angels with the main road there, he said. I drive the Natic, he said. And if I had to break up and down that hill, he said... Did. I thought I thought you were coming on to defend yourself, but yet you went off on this crazy story that you claim to be true, renting your house I, out to spirit seekers. Poor old Angela mustn't have a clue what's going on, and she, 35 years, being battered with balls. Well, tell, tell Angela I could send the lights down, right, to her house. Uh, there might be angels down there as well, you see, Nate. But, but the lights here definitely didn't see any angels anywhere, Nate. What, what? Somebody said it was the angels out in the green. Just, forget about it. Just before I let you go, and I will let you right. go, how do you right. respond to people saying that you're the one that's shouting at the kids? Yeah, I need. Do you know something? I wouldn't even respond to it, Neil. Everybody knows me up here on the north side. Everybody do. And you know what, no need? I might even run into the next local election, and I'll put a stop to it. Hold on a second, Eileen. Sylvia. Sylvia, sorry, you're on three. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Number one, this man is making a complete joke of everything. Number two, he lies when he said he wasn't there on Friday. Because when I came off my drive on Friday, after he's speaking to me, after I speak to you on on the radio, he passed my house, stared right into my face, waved at me. So what's wrong with waving? He's just saying hello. No, I'm saying, uh, come here, you're making a joke at this now. No, listen, I never knew anything that he was going to go on about spirits or renting his house for the weekend. I'm just responding to Keith saying he wasn't there on Friday. He was there on Friday. Okay. Okay, number two, three boys went out Saturday night at half seven. 
Okay, okay. I'll pick it up after 11. I'm out of time for now. Text 0868-104-106. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Emerald Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. Uh, sometimes it can be tough uh, with neighbours. Uh, emailer here says, uh, please recognise the effect of the mental well-being on our children today. It should be a positive thing that you can pull them away from their screens and connect with fellow humans. If a green is available on your street, it is for the benefit of all to use and enjoy. There are so many kids full of anxiety at this time and don't want to meet anyone. It's good that they're out playing ball. Um, interesting email from the Little Island area, though. Myself and our neighbours are living in fear and have been now for 16 months. This is due to travellers moving into a green area behind our houses in Little Island. The residents are terrorised in their own homes due to the registered landowners neglecting their own land. Illegal encampments on their land has caused a rat infestation, litter, human excrement blocking residents' entrances to their homes. We are living in fear the last 16 months and our mental health is suffering from it all. We would like to remain anonymous for obvious reasons, but we would really appreciate if we could cover this very serious issue as we're at our wit's end. We're reaching out to know if you can highlight our issue and try and get us some help and direction on this issue. We have had several incidents in the last 16 months and on all occasions, the armed response unit responded. As we have come to the conclusion that uh, regular Gardaí are in fear of coming unsupported to disperse this dangerous traveller group. The land is owned by a company who are disputing it and saying that the land registry was not updated. That would imply that they're saying they don't own it anymore. Could you please highlight this for us? Uh, We are dreading the summer ahead. I've included before and after photographs of what we've had to put up with on a daily basis. Don't give out our details um, for obvious security reasons. No, I won't. Thank you for the email. I've seen the photographs uh, and uh, the before ones are fine. But the after ones are shocking. I mean, it really is awful to have to look at that. Uh, there's an awful lot of litter and just stuff just abandoned and rotting and rusting and just litter. And uh, it looks it looks terrible. I don't know how adjacent the, the residential areas are to the encampment area, but it does look absolutely awful. Uh, we're trying to get in touch with the uh, waiting a response from the company that you say owns the land. Um, obviously the Guardian, we've heard of guards actually and rapid armed response units being down in the area uh, from time to time, that's for sure. Um, but I don't know whether it's a city council or a county council uh, area it's covered by. Um, it's very, very difficult, isn't it? I mean, you just, it, like it, it's, it's, it's a tough one really because everybody is very standoffish when it comes to issues like this um, for all sorts of different reasons. You, you even see that uh, with, I mean, that story of the weekend with um, the wedding and the marquee down in Mahan that was up and then taken down and subsequently somebody else now is distributing videos online saying that the wedding went ahead 
Um, but I can't for the life of me work out how that could have been because you would think that if it did go ahead, we'd have seen a marquee or guards would have been back down and then whether or not the wedding happened in another place. But anyway, to, to answer your question, I have highlighted it and we're doing it again here this morning and in touch with the company to see if they do own the land and, you know, what rights they have uh, with regards to uh, evicting those that are on upon it. But again, where do those upon it go? They say they have nowhere else to go. Mind you, um, you're the owners of your own homes and you deserve to live in peace without a rat infestation uh, and without sewage and without all sorts of um, so litter problems down there. So maybe there are other people in the area that also have um, a story to tell. If so, do get in touch. But I'll be back on that as soon as I have updates from um, City or County Council and the owners of the actual property. And let me just stay uh, with, um, you know, it's a good thing the kids are outdoors and not stuck indoors on PlayStation, but there's a happy medium somewhere. Angela, good morning. Good morning, Nate. Now, you wanted to pick up on the conversation from Friday. Uh, are you Katrina's mum? Yes, that's okay. correct. And Katrina was on sub- just defending the kids. Yes, and I also want to tell you, I'm from the same area in Churchfield that Keith came from. And I'm living in Fairfield Green 30 years. And I still regard myself as a blowing. <laughs> right? I never, I never, ever say I'm not from Churchfield. You can take the girl out of Churchfield, but you can't take Churchfield out of the girl. Good for you. Uh, and when... I, in my road, when I was born and reared in Churchfield, we played in the green area, so the keys. Now, where I'm living, Fairfield Green, there's a green area. And for the 30 years that I've been here, there has been kids playing ball and every other game, kick the can and everything out in that green. And we have never disputed it because we wanted to see our kids out playing. I know, I know. Better than being in and being a coach potato. Now, my grandson is the most gentlest person you could ever come across, Neil. I'm proud of the way my daughter and my son-in-law brought him up. Now, he got two trials for Cork City Football Club. So he's not just a kickable football fella. He's genuinely a good football player. He had respect for people's houses he have two grandparents and a great grandparent and he have great respect for the elderly he even helped an elderly woman when they were down in Keith's place one day but it was ter- across the terrace he saw an old woman with shopping bags ran over took the shopping bags off her and brought them up to the hard front door now you tell me Keith if you if what Keith was on about about the angels I'm a very spiritual person and I have plenty of angels up my house as ornaments I when have I no I have there, no idea where I mean I don't know what that was about I really just don't you yeah know. I have no idea but they're, they're not I can't say they're angels no, but nobody's child is an angel but the fact is one other resident came on though and agreed saying that there are all ongoing issues there and then Angela living in um, uh, another area of the city, Thir- uh, th- 35 years yeah, being heard, battered heard, with balls yeah. and ab- getting abuse from the kids yeah. and then abused by the mother well, when she under- chastised the kids. Well, I mean, could you imagine a ball? is nowhere else. I know, but... Because I've got that myself many times in the, in the road if there was kids from other people, other terraces coming in. Now, my son played ball out there all his life. He's special needs. He's a special Olympian. And especially, he's a special Olympian. And my grandson and his friends have often played out in the green. And I ask anyone, my neighbours from Fairville Green, and they'll tell you what where them boys are. They've even adopted me as their nan. 
because when my grandson calls me nan, they calls me nan. So there is no, none, none of them are... The most respectable yeah. people, young fellas, that you could ever come across, Neil. And I'm not saying it because I'm a grandparent. But wait, what, if, what if people's cars are being battered with the ball constantly? But well, they, they're not. Okay. They might hit the ball, but the ball... I mean, in my green, there's cars parked around the green area. And my own car is parked around the green area and there's kids playing football there. But they have no... They don't kick, they lash the ball. They're not that kind of boy. If the ball gets lashed, it's because one of them hit it too fast or too hard. you know All what right. I mean? Yeah. But they have a tip about Neil. Now, I, my, my son, my grandson, came up to me one day after being down below, crying his eyes out because Keith was after giving out to him. Now... A young fella that age, at 13, he had anxiety over Keith, I can tell you that. He came up to my house. Maybe maybe it was out. because of what, something must have happened for that to be... That's what, did Keith give out with, to them? That was a couple of months but ago. But maybe now. a ball hit someone's window or smashed off someone's car or damaged a panel or, I don't know. Maybe. But I don't, it didn't, if it did, did I've heard about it, Neil. But I think the language that Keith is using with them kids, he should learn to speak to kids the way okay. he should speak to kids. And what about poor old Angela with the abuse that she's putting up with? Well, I've been sorry for that lady because that's done purposely. If it's, if, if it's continually off her wall, it's being done to annoy her. But she's persecuted she by out. it. Yeah, the only thing she can do is get on to the corporation, the council. What good will that do, though? Well, the council can send a letter to the, to the mother if, she, right. if he damages property. Okay, okay. I've been putting up with a fraternity, as far as my grandson and his friends are concerned, they're the most lovable young fellas and they do anything. Here's an interesting one. I know, I mean, you're defending your grandkids. I, I appreciate that. This here's an interesting one before I let you go. I sold my old corporation house, Neil, four years ago for the same issues. Children were allowed out at seven o'clock in the morning while the parents were nursing hangovers until 11 o'clock at night, kicking balls off houses, throwing their takeaways into our gardens. I'm now living in a private estate where the kids behave normal and not animalistic. They go to the pitches with their parents. They do it properly. My old house has had two new owners for the very same reasons. They bought, moved out, bought again, moved out. It's the parents are to blame. My children have never hung around houses terrorizing people. They used to be brought to and from activities. Shame on the adults allowing it that way. I'm sure their children will rear their children the very same way. No, well, I tell you now, Nate. Interesting, isn't it? My, but, yeah, but the thing is, my estate is house, uh, private and corporation. And the thing is, Neil, my granddaughter was up in Poppins Field. She was only eight at the time. She's ten now. And a 12-year-old girl tore her to the ground for no reason and videotaped it and put up in cock fights. Now, she was only eight, Neil. How can my daughter leave her son up there or my other granddaughter with that happening? So she was an eight-year-old playing, was attacked by others... Beaten up, Attacked kicked by, on the ground and filmed. Yes, and she special needs. When was that? Was, was that how long ago was, was that? Last year last year, I think. Katrina would tell them more now. And is that the reason why parents won't allow their children out of sight? Yes, that's some of the reason, yes, because everybody saw what was on that video.
my daughter didn't know about it because my granddaughter didn't tell her. Yeah. And she had anxiety problems all the okay. time. Okay, okay, yeah. So my daughter would no way would she put my grandson out there to terrorise people. Now, so they the pick fights to in, film them, is that it? I have, I have seen some of these. I saw one yeah, last week, yeah. which was very disturbing. Yeah. Very small they kids fighting. She got at, my daughter got onto the guards, and the guards came up, and they knew that person. That's the latest antic now, filmed fights amongst kids, is it? Mother that's like correct, that. that's Good correct. Only you tell me, no. Would you prefer your child to be out playing football and out up in the field where there could be needles or gangs? Well, it would be irresponsible. Else. Yeah, I had that video sent to me. I had, I saw the video of yeah. two kids fighting and someone else filming. My granddaughter. And one kid didn't want to fight, and as the other one was was doing it. Um, oh, my granddaughter is uh, If that was going on, I wouldn't let them. No, I, I wouldn't let them stray. No, I wouldn't. No. That's that's exact. No, where they live, they live in Farm Forest Avenue. No, that's a big hill. You know that, Neil. Yeah. And I was minding my two grand, my three grandchildren from Katrina from 2017 to 2019 because I got sick. I had uh, throat cancer and I got two tumours removed as well. And I reared them for them two years. And every day, them young fellas were outside the, pat- the road playing and the cars are coming up and down. So they couldn't, like, the young fellas would make sure, like, my daughter's car was parked in the garage. They were never beaten off the car. There was, when the cars would come down the road, they'd stop playing I know, I know. the car yeah. to pass. Listen, I understand. I mean, I was one of those kids years ago. I don't know, I don't think any of the neighbours ever... Yeah, yeah. No, no one ever had any problem with it. You personally, you, know, you knew my parents personally. Did I? When, in CCLR. Did, did I? Okay. Well, Jim Lockhart, if I remember. Did, that's right. Who were your parents? Uh, Marlon Jim McCarthy. Oh my God! Yes. Oh no, yes. A long time ago. Very. Very. Oh my God! That's so Thank long ago. Mara McCarthy. That, yeah. No, that's the kind. She's of always writing to me is. back. She was always writing. Mara, that's my mother. Yes. Ah, uh, right? yeah. Happy days. No, no need. Is that? Are we respectful people? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good show. What kind okay. of uncle my grandson is? My daughter will only leave him with respect. I people. know. I know. And are, are you recovered from the cancer? Is all well? No, no, no. I'm still. Um, they found three more lumps now on my throat. I had. Uh, well, I'm recovered from the throat cancer. Hopefully, two years in July. Good. But I got two tumours removed from my one from my face and one behind my ear in January 2020. Okay. And I'm in lockdown since the 21st of January 2020 and I'm sure God felt sorry for me for the rest of the world in isolation with me <laughs> and it's, it's been very hard on me not seeing my grandkids I know I know, you I know, know. But mind, mind yourself you know, and make a full now recovery now you know who you're talking I to I certainly do you know what kind of a grandson my grandson is alright Angela lovely talking to you look after yourself cheers lovely talking to you Neil thanks Take care. very bye. much bye back after bye. the break text the Neil Prenderville show now 86 104106 Red FM. Yes, indeed. Email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. A lot of other texts and emails from different conversations uh, over the past couple of days. That email actually from Little Island with the traveller encampment in Little Island. Ken O'Flynn, Councillor Ken O'Flynn, tells me, uh, and thank you, Ken, for coming back to me. He said that that uh, Little Island encampment falls under the county council remit and cannot be evicted due to COVID regulations at present. Although I believe the problems of Little Island have been coming and going, coming and going for many years, uh, way before COVID, but under the current situation now, unfortunately, I have to tell the residents down there, um, you know, you may not know this, but under COVID regulations, 
uh, those that are living there at the moment and the circumstances they're living under are far from adequate for sure and it's also impacting on the residents with homes down there they can't be evicted due to COVID regulations unfortunately that's not the news you wanted to hear I suppose anyway keep those texts coming text 0868104106 Jordan's on to me he's in the city he says the city is absolutely buzzing and one of the reasons why it's buzzing on this Monday morning is because retail opened fully this morning Uh, and we have two more dates now two more roadmark dates in mind after that we don't know but we certainly know that on June 2nd that's the next marker hotels B&Bs self-catering hostels everything like that reopens on the 2nd of June and for the residents who are staying in the hotels then the restaurant and the bar service is restricted to guests only yeah so that'll be interesting so that's the second and then five days later on June the 7th That's when you're going to see lots more outdoor sports matches recommencing. No spectators, incidentally. And the gyms and the pools and the leisure centers will will open. And I guess the gyms for individual training and things like that. Uh, And most significantly, uh, you will see all restaurants and bars, outdoor service. Um, Max of six people in each group. It will depend on the square footage that the restaurant and the bar has outdoors. Some have none at all. Yeah, so that's one of the big significant moves. That's June the seventh. After that, then, with regards to um, restaurants and bars and what have you, indoors and outdoors, who knows? For the UK, that's happening today. Paul Travaux, who has Travaux's restaurant in Killarney, um, circulated um, a very, very lengthy email. I think it went to um, all of the public representatives, all elected officials, all over the country. And imagine maybe copied many restaurateurs and pub owners as well. They want, or at least he does on their behalf, they want to be moved up. Um, anyway, why am I telling you about it when Paul can do it himself? Paul, good morning. Neil, how are you? Sir? I'm good. It is quite it is quite lengthy, but there's one or two paragraphs that interest me. You're saying that on some date in June, and I'll ask you for that date, that bars and restaurants should be included to be able to open 50 to 60% indoors in June. Is that what I'm reading? Uh, so basically, what we're looking at at the moment is bars and restaurants in hotels, as you rightly pointed out, uh, can open up. And again, I always want to stress, we are delighted that hotels are, are able to open back up again and we fully support them. Uh, but the problem is, is that the bars, restaurants on the side street can't. And it's very simple that there's absolutely no scientific proof to say that it's more dangerous to come into a bar or restaurant on the street than it is in a hotel. And what we've done is, it's what's known as in every single house at the moment, it's everywhere, is the plan, as we've called it, that we are going to see an absolute monumental disaster because we have a very small pot of staff to pick from already and it's going to be even smaller when the hotels picked off everybody because as I stand talking to you today, Neil, we still have absolutely no idea zero date as to when we're allowed back open. And you mean so that bar, bar owners and restaurateurs don't know if their staff are still available for work? They're, I can tell you now, and anybody who's listening from a bar or restaurant in Cork will ring in and text you and tell you the exact same. They're gone already. So I have had so many restaurateurs all around the country to say they have lost four staff, six staff, because, and, and all you have to do is just think about this. If I'm a chef or a waiter or a kitchen porter in a bar or a restaurant, and I'm on the PUP and I've got my mortgage payments, I've got my family to pay, take care of, and I have no idea when I'm going to go to work, and I see a job being advertised in a hotel to get me back to work on a full salary, 
well, we don't need to you know, be a genius to figure out what's going to happen. Did so they I, are gone. Did I hear, and this is probably applicable to your industry, that uh, a lot of people who are on the PUP that were working here in hospitality have gone back to their own countries to work and are still drawing the Irish pandemic payment. So I am never going to be in a position to judge anybody, but I have no problems just simply highlighting and pointing out what is possible. So a lot of foreign staff that we have in our industry have gone home to countries all around Europe and particularly in Eastern Europe, where their average monthly salary is between 400 to 600 euro if they're lucky enough to get a job. That's the average salary back at home in their countries. A week? They are now, a, a month. Yeah, a month. I know that. Yeah, a month. Yeah. 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 They, they are now gone back home. They're fully entitled to claim their PUP. So they're now coming out with about between 14, 1600 euro a month now from the PUP. But why are they allowed to claim an Irish PUP if they're working in Eastern European businesses? Well, again... The pop is for people who aren't working. Correct. So it is entirely up to them. But who is going to know from our social welfare system if anybody has gone home and is working back over It just lands in their bank account automatically. Absolutely. You don't need to claim. You don't need to do anything. It's coming straight in. So I'm just saying that I wouldn't judge anybody, but I certainly have an issue with the system. Yeah, I think people would be annoyed to hear that, though, because um, we're in the hole for big money already, you know, and that's not helping. Neil, I can tell you now, we're in more, more, uh, more serious situation than anybody realizes. It is very easy to trade when you are closed. That's why a lot of bars and restaurateurs are not realizing just the situation they're going to be in when we are back open. And we're saying now that a start date is no longer good enough because they have the government, whether they did it on purpose or not, they have divided our hospitality sector because of their actions. We must simply open the same date as all hotels to give us a level playing field and to give us some chance of survival. And you think of anywhere in rural Ireland, particularly in tourist destinations, we have three months to make our money to go through the winter. We've done nothing for the last nine months. We haven't traded for the last nine months. So we have nothing in our account. But surely, but I know people, people say this all of the time, that there's no evidence to say that COVID is any difference indoor or outdoor, but, but, there, but it must be. Um, you know, more difficult to protect people indoors by virtue of the fact that they're indoors and they don't have the fresh air and the open air. Surely. Well, again, well, surely you think, but again, Leo Varadkar has stated in the channels that they have no proof to say that. And we have our ventilation. We have everything there. And that's what I'm saying for the four weeks of June, because there's rumours of the 5th of July. Well, we have absolutely no date. And as I said, the 5th of July is no longer an issue. We simply must open on the 2nd of June with the other hotels. And and I'm saying that we're going to do it at 50 to 60% capacity so that we're doing it safe. And this is not a free-for-all. I can't stress this enough. It's not a free-for-all for every business owner to open up on June the 2nd and pack the premises. We have an obligation to do so safely, as we've always done. And the public have an obligation and personal responsibility that if they walk into a bar or restaurant or coffee shop and see it packed, turn around and walk out. We're not for we're saying this can be done safely. We have the added advantage of last Christmas that we now have over half our population with nearly two million shops and the HSE who are doing a brilliant job at vaccinating almost a quarter of a million a week. Yeah, I know that, but like it's all very well to say if you come up to the door and it's jammed, don't go in. But what if you're in there when it's quieter and uh, it gets busier and busier and you're half langers, you're not going to leave. In fact, you're going to be mad keen to get up close and personal with your friends again. 
Yeah, so so we're basically just saying that, that, that it's up to every single business owner to make sure that this doesn't happen. And most, most of, and we saw it before, most people do everything by the book. You're always going to have the odd one or two. But Neil, if we're going to be honest, we've got to say this stuff is going on anyway in different places. It's, it's, it's just, if we dilute the crowd, we all remember last summer seeing one pub packed indoors and outdoors. And the pub side have closed because they didn't have the nine euro chicken nugget. Oh, I know, I know. And look, I've seen the videos again from Cork at the weekend, Oliver Plunkett Street Grand Parade. It was very busy. I mean, there was just re- just droves and droves of people. I suppose the, the only upside to it is maybe they were maybe they were outdoors. But and when you say fifty to sixty percent indoors from the second of June. Is this going to happen? Um, or, or like, have you have you been in touch with others who have restaurants and pubs, and you're encouraging them to do it, or what? Uh, absolutely, because the reality is is that all these businesses are dying to get back open because they know if we're not open from the second of June, sixty to eighty percent of these businesses are gone come next winter. Because we don't have the, the last nine months of trade and coming off the back of a horrendous year last year as well, obviously, all cash reserves are depleted. They're gone. All businesses are under so much pressure. We still have no idea what of what kind of subsidies are going to be given. Is there any start-up grants? Absolutely. We've been treated, I'm not going to lie, with utter contempt by this government to call so many hundreds of thousands of people's livelihoods in the tourism sector as non-essential. We're deemed as non-essential people to the society. But look what happened to Christmas when they opened. Look at yeah, January's numbers. Delighted you said that, Neil, because the reality is is that it's already now proven that it was nothing to do with bars and restaurants, that the spike had occurred back previously in November when every single pub and restaurant was closed in the country. They now know that 99% of every single case that has come out is the UK variant. And as talented as chefs are, none of us know the secret recipe to that. No, no, but uh, like a a UK variant gets into the country, somebody has it and they were socialising then within pubs and restaurants and they spread the UK variant. You know that that's how it happened. Yeah, we were open for two weeks. Every pub was closed. There's nothing, and I'm not even a pub, but there is nobody in the country who can say that it's the pub's fault. They have been closed for 14 months. It is certainly not the pub's fault for the spreading of this. One restaurateur told me she said it was an absolute nightmare because she was constantly going amongst tables telling people to behave and sit down. Yeah, look, I mean, that's why I'm saying that we're not four, we're not six years of age. People have to act responsibly. And, and that's what we're going to have to do. But the balance of the tipping scale now with the risk of COVID compared to the vaccine is far more in the favor of the vaccine. So we're seeing that. It's a fact. It's a, I don't need to show you that, yeah. that the ICU numbers, the hospital numbers are absolutely plummeting because even though the cases are still high, it's a much younger um, specter of, of, of the population that are getting it who are making 99% full recovery. So, I mean, but the difference of those four weeks of staying closed so zero, not zero risk, of course there's always a risk, but there's a risk getting up and getting into your car driving to work every day. But those four weeks of, are the difference of all our businesses being shut. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all of June and half of July. So you're saying in yeah. two weeks' time to save the livelihoods of tens of thousands of hardworking individuals and families and hospitality businesses, you are going to open or you want to open? I mean, are you getting any well, support? So it's very simple. What we're saying is we have a letter that we're asking everybody. It's all over my social media channels to send to every single TD because there is an act. I won't get too bogged into it. There is an act that is up for renewal between the 9th, of June, the 9th and 6th of June. And it basically has given all this emergency powers to the Minister for Health. So we are asking every single person in a bar, restaurant, and even that's 
listen to this, that the media are affected because you and I both know radio stations, newspapers and TV stations all across this country. The only form of advertising revenue they're getting in right now is the COVID budget, which is about to dry up in the next two or three months. So there's no advertising revenue coming in. Even radio stations are on their knees financially in two or three months time. So we are asking everybody to download the letter, either post it or email it to your local TV and say, please do not renew this act. We need to see you're supporting the people so that we know which TD to support. Or even, I was great, I heard Ken Flynn's name be mentioned. Ken has actually come out and publicly supported. So and what about a TD? Any TDs? We, we have not just one TD, we have a lot of TDs. And it's not even the TDs that we have. It's the power that these guys are bringing. We have ex and former minister uh, for justice, Charlie Flanagan. We have Jim O'Callaghan, who's after coming out and endorsing. We have the two Healy Ray brothers. We've got Brendan Griffin, who is former minister for tourism, because he knows just how important this is. In, in, in throughout the entire economy. And the tourism pillar goes to everybody. It's the farmer, it's the producer, it's the fishmonger, it's the butcher. I could list off a hundred... Okay, two interesting texts with different opinions. That man is talking so much sense. I've just come from Houston, Texas. Businesses operate smart and operate open. More space, no gatherings, no queues. Everyone knows at this stage what to do. And if you're not happy with the crowd inside, go somewhere else. Stuck in a hotel here in Dublin, by the way. 23 hours inside a room. Seven days quarantine to go. So that's one. Here's another one of interest. Just listening to Paul from Travaux's. While I do have sympathy for his situation, it makes me so angry. We have a wet pub, traditional pub, and have only been open for two weeks in the last 14 months. The restaurants had a lot more time trading than we ever had. Where was their outrage in splitting the hospitality sector last year when the government again opened up the restaurants and kept the traditional pubs closed at Christmas? It was every man for themselves then. None of them worried about the length of time we had been closed for. Um, The point being, it's all very well for you to talk, but uh, you weren't talking on behalf of the traditional pubs when they remained shut. Look, of course, that's, that's, of course, that's a very valid point, but I'm talking on behalf of them now. I'm, I'm talking about, well, I'm trying to represent every single sector. Okay. I'm trying to unite everybody in, in hospitality under the one branch because together we are stronger, as I said. And, that, that's, and, and that's so important that exactly I'm delighted that that person is after texting in because the wet pubs were absolutely wronged. There's that nobody stood up. Nobody has apologised. They've now come out and said, look, that nine-year-old meal actually wasn't the difference between getting COVID or not. And there won't be any nine-euro meal. There won't no, be no, any that, time that, limits anymore. Yeah, but here's, here's a major issue, Neil, that people need to realise. So they've, they've made an absolute ass of releasing the guidelines uh, for, for hotels. They've confused themselves with what they've done. But they've now come out with a two-hour guideline. So people are trying their best to support Irish and support the local economy. They've now come out with a two-hour guideline. You're a resident. You've paid five nights to stay in a hotel, whether it be Cork, Kerry, Smigol, or Mayo. The guideline now states that you can come down for half an hour beforehand. You can go in for your meal. It must be a substantial meal. And go in there for an hour and a half. Do you know where you have to go after those two hours? No. Back back to your room. So that's what they are saying. So who in their right mind... Didn't know that. No, yeah. You see, this is the problem. So it's absolutely ridiculous what they've come out with. And we throw in the added added, uh, pressure now that Portugal announced on Monday. It's only a matter of time that Greece are going to come out, that Croatia will come out, that Spain will come out and say, open all tours with open arms into our country for tours. Now, Johnny and Mary, who are sitting at home, 
can't wait to support Ireland and they're turning around saying we have to book our holiday in the next two weeks we still don't know if I can go for a pint or a steak inside in any restaurant do you know what I'd love to support Irish but let's go to Spain but we do know that you can go to a restaurant or a pub in Ireland on the 7th of June outdoors yeah but but like you realise what you just said there outdoors in Ireland you might as well go skiing in the Sahara Desert it's, just, it's not going to happen. I'm looking outside my window today and it has been sunshine, rain, and we even had a shower of hailstones all in the space of the last three or four hours. I said it back in January because they were, they were giving this outdoor narrative. The outdoor narrative of dining in Ireland is just absolutely beyond insane. Okay, okay. And how they rolled with okay. it is beyond me as well. Okay, okay. So it's do or die for June then? We, we have to, because of the way they've done us, because of the way they've separated us and split us, we have to be open at the 2nd of June because I'm telling, and I just don't want to be turning around in September, October. When I'm already seeing businesses who've told me they're not reopening, but okay. they're gone already. And 50% that's, that's inside, no, no, order, no, no ordering or standing at the bar kind of thing. No, absolutely. And a zero tolerance. Okay. So that if, I don't know who it is, if it's the guards, if it's the health inspectors, I don't know who it is, but if somebody walks in and turns out the logic, you kind of get taken by whatever here, like, you know, the place is packed. So we're shutting you down straight away and not so sure we're going to renew your license. So yeah, um, nice guy, Paul Travaux, nice guy, but I'm afraid the politicians don't care about getting a few letters. They'll just ignore them. Civil so disobedience what, is what's needed. Do you know what? Well, I mean, we're not going to beat a government by, by threatening to break the law. And more importantly, we're not going to garner the support of people of Ireland by threatening with civil disobedience. But I can tell you now for a fact, the two most important things for a politician in their career is A, to get in power and B, stay there. So trust me when I say, when I tell you that this letter going to every single politician. I mean, there's already hundreds, if not thousands of them gone already. Now we're going to send them all the emails again, hundreds, if not thousands. They are going to come under immense pressure to say whether they support the destruction of the biggest sector in this country or if they're going to make sure they do. Okay, here's what what I'm going to do when we get off air. We'll send a group email to Cork TDs, city and county TDs, and ask them a straight question on that as to whether they support your suggestion or not. Be interested to see how many of them come back, but we certainly will do that and await their response. download, Download the letter, Neil, and to make it more effective, get everybody everybody in the station to send it because you guys are under a huge pressure too trust me every you brenda the whole team everybody send the email to all your local tds mm-hmm. i'm certain i certainly can direct traffic to your facebook and uh, and to your yeah. twitter accounts well, on my twitter at paul trevo and i just i just put up two big threads there now one for all the tds in munster so somebody sitting there and listening they're going i'd love to send that email but I, I don't know what the hell your man was on about okay the link for the letter is on my twitter and the link for every single TD's email and who they are is on the Twitter account and their email address. It is simple to, to do. Okay, stay in touch. Watch this space Thanks for details. Really. Thank you, Paul. That's, Paul, that's spelled P, P-A-U-L-T-R-E-Y. Oh, it's disappeared from the screen. I want to be able to spell it properly for you so you know exactly what you're looking for on Twitter and Facebook. T-R-E-Y-V-O-U-D. Paul Trevoux. Sorry, it's been corrected here. Paul Trevoux. T-R-E-Y-V-A-U-D. Paul Travaux in Killarney. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. 
Fix the wages in restaurants, fix the wages in hotels, fix the wages for chefs and waiting staff. They're so badly paid. Up their wages, you will then get your staff. Uh, text on that, text 0868104106. He's saying, on behalf of many in the industry with him, that it is do or die for hospitality if they don't get people indoors, say 50 to 60% in June. June 2nd is the date they're talking about. And of course, today was a big day. All retail opened and the city's buzzing. Open up and people will come. And of course, last week we had many businesses opening up. Health care. Sorry, I was going to say health care. Obviously, um, people hair care, uh, personal beauty, nails, tanning, brows, lashes, the whole lot. After months of hibernation, customer, customers desperate to shed their natural state for some more polished looks flocked back to their local hair salons and indeed their beauticians. Seamus was out recently checking in with beauticians and visited all round beauty in Mayfield. People were in there not just getting a bit of work done, obviously, but also catching up with friends that they hadn't seen in an age. What are you looking at? It's lovely to go out get a small pampering session done. Um, it's lovely to see people out and about and see a little bit of normality returning to life, hopefully. A lot of our treatments take different times. So like that, if you were to have a full leg wax, a full leg bikini wax, you'd be asking for an hour long slot. We wouldn't have availability for big treatments this week, but we like there's enough staff on every day for like, you know, accommodating regular clients that would need the eyebrow wax and wouldn't have access to making appointments online. So they would call, but there's absolutely no problem getting small treatments like 15 minute slots, but big treatments are booked out till next week. Did you miss this all, all these Oh ones? my God, terrible. I get them done every so often. I get my toes and my fingers done and my eyebrows done. And I just love coming up here. The girls are amazing and everything's fabulous. You, you'll need somewhere to go on after the nails today, will you? Actually, we, we won't. We'll have a few drinks at home maybe. And the pub's open because the fab won't be open for a couple of weeks now. Outdoor dining, so outdoor drinking, like. So we'll have to wait. And will the meals last that long now? Oh no, she might come up now again if they, if they, if they don't get messy, I'll come up, I'll come up again. So they're very good at getting them done. How did you take care of the nails so all these months while, well, the, I, while the professionals were off? Well, they were, they were actually in very bad state. They were all, all wrong, things wrong them and they were very bad. Were you keeping them in the pocket so a bit more? Oh, she, they were getting destroyed. Death sanitizer, sure. Sanitizing the hands, the hands were destroyed. And is she that good with sanitizer? Oh my God, yeah. It lasted away by the nail varnish. I'm getting the nails and the eyebrows. Thank God, I love eyebrows back. <laughs> They're great, oh, at this stage. Do you come here very often? I, didn't, I would, as soon as... Every couple of weeks get the eyebrows done and the nails done. It's nice to have the interaction with the girls. Like They're all, you know, so chatty and jolly, but it's nice to get the nails and the eyebrows done too. I can go to my friends now because we're doubling. That's an That's in the two of us, so I can go to her for a cup of coffee now. Which is good, thank God. And show off the neighbours. Get the hair done tomorrow. <laughs> this is kind of only an hour in, like, fantastic, yeah. It's actually just Stephen this morning being able to get a bit more routine and all that kind of thing. Getting up, getting my makeup on, meeting everyone again. You know, it is a lovely social aspect, you know, that kind of way. A bit more normality as well. Did you feel any anxiousness? There's a lot of social anxiety out there being locked down for so long. Um, a little bit last week, but I think that's kind of normal enough. Like, do you know, when you're after being out of risk for so long as well, you kind of just will I be as quick as I was? Do you know that kind of way? What, what kind of uh, things have changed? But do you know what? It's like as if I never left, it's like as if it hasn't been closed. And everyone that we have in this morning is all our regulars. Do you know that kind of way? So it's lovely to see a familiar face as well. Would you come here very often? Every six or weeks. 
<laughs> it would have been on It would be a bit <laughs> Have to keep it good. <laughs> As a treat. Yeah, exactly. We waited so long. <laughs> and are you going out anywhere after celebrating or? Sit out the back for a few bottles of course late. Lauren, you're glad to be back, are you? Delighted, yeah, yeah. And what did you miss about all these uh, these months away? Um, definitely the socialising, just just normality, really, really, just to get out of the house and everything. Yeah. And like, did you feel any anxiety coming coming back to work today? No, no, I'm very happy to be back at work. Um, we're doing everything we're meant to do by the regulations. I'm very happy to be back. Yeah, they are just so happy to get out of the house. Um, I never thought we were so popular. People just cannot wait to come back in here to us. Yeah, stay in vogue. Visit and support your local beautician. I was listening to your podcast uh, over the weekend, Neil, with the lady Louise, who was talking about people not taking the vaccine. I 100% agree with her. She's right in saying this is a trial vaccine. And when I hear you saying no one has died or the hospital numbers have gone way down, do you not realize the government as well as RTE can tell us exactly what they want us to hear? I do believe there's a virus, but I don't agree with the controlling aspect of all of this. They're trying to turn us all against each other. Also, this vaccine passport is ridiculous. Like, whether you get the so-called vaccine or not, you can still get COVID. Do people not realize that for years people got the flu vaccine every winter and hundreds of people have still died from it yearly, even with a flu vaccine? I will not be getting the vaccine. I'm 30 years old and hate the way this country has gone. I work in retail and I see people every day people I've talked with for years are like different people since COVID. They all seem so depressed. Let's get on with life. Look after people who have bigger health issues and look after the mental health of people in this country, says Molly. And you know what? This cyber attack isn't helping things with regards to the bigger health issues in the country. I mean, you see what damage that's done in a matter of days. Just listening to the latest government adverts on your radio station on vaccines. Can someone please explain why the hell does a person still have to wear a repulsive mask after taking the vaccine? Take the vaccine but still wear a mask? Why, why, why? No point in getting vaccinated. So, if you still have to wear a mask, Pat and Cork. Well, the reason for that is, they say, because even when you're vaccinated, you may not get sick from COVID, but you can still pass it on. New World, world Order. It's topic of conversation last week. Just a text in response to Louise. The woman is completely right about the New World Order. They had this planned for years. Uh, they brought out a virus and then a vaccination, which was all pre-planned. This is part of their agenda. Electronically chip us all and have a cashless society. It's the same with the environmental movement. And they want to bring in laws so people can't do anything in their own private property now without any permission. This is the mark of the beast written in the book of Revelations. Same thing with same-sex marriage. It was written about in the book Romans chapter 1. People will turn from natural relations and burn for lust with each other. Women for women, same with men. We are at the close of an age, Neil, and God does not lie. Says Joanne, or Joan, I should say, by text to 0868104106. And thank you, Maria, for your kind words. Morning, Neil. It's great listening to your show since before COVID-19 and after. I've been tuning into your show since you started on radio all those years ago. I always enjoy your show with Emer and all of the lads. It was so nice to hear Paul Byrne on the air on Friday as I always listen to him and watch him on television. He's a dote and so are you. I don't know how you do what you do, but whatever it is, keep it up. 
can't go live on radio as I'm far too shy. Well, you might be shy, but you are one beautiful word, and that word is kind. The word kind. Beautiful word. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, I was going to give the last uh, 90 seconds or so to some texts on UFOs. That was interesting. Huge response to UFOs, actually. So that'll be tomorrow. I am instead giving the last word to Gordon. Gordon, good morning. Good morning. Now, Carolyn was on there. 2100 for a holiday let in Kerry in July. 2100. And you picked up... No, no, let, yeah, let me finish, sorry, let me finish. Yeah. That was yeah. Carolyn. And then you were looking for t- a quote with a quote for a hotel in Killarney for the same month, July, again for a week, is it? Yes. How much? Two people, 1,700. Two people, um, that's including... B&B, din- 1,700. No dinner? No, no dinner, B&B. Good God. Rip, rip off Ireland, here we go. Good God, 1,700 for a week in July, Just- no dinner. No dinner, no dinner. Is it that Car- is it that Killarney can can quote numbers numbers like that or amounts like that because it's so popular? Is it? I don't know. Do you want me to give the name of the hotel? Well, well where no did you where did you get the seventeen hundred from? I rang up last week. What hotel? Okay, I, a hotel. Rang the hotel directly. Asked for a date, the end of July. Uh, checking in the twenty third checking out on the 30th, okay? But two people, and this was the code I was given, was 1,700 euro. And the person in the line didn't seem to have any issues when I questioned it. Their attitude was tough. That works out at about 125 euro a night per person, doesn't it? Something like that? It does, yeah, something like that. Uh, Say 250 a night, no dinner. No dinner. Why would you stay in this country? Okay, uh, I know things have been very hard in the catering trade business. I worked there for years myself. You were chefing, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yes. Yeah. But there's a thing called come on, you know, cop on and stop screwing the system. You Did know? you check and other hotel so. rates in other uh, hotels in Killarney? Well, no, actually. You know, to be honest, I went forward and I booked a holiday abroad. Did okay? you? I decided, I did, yes. Right, I did. I decided, you know, why should I spend my hard-earned money here, when I've got that sort of attitude, I went abroad and hoped things would sort out, you know, towards the end of the year. Okay, it was a coat in September, okay? But I booked a week in Lisbon, flights, accommodation, half board, and a four-star hotel for less than a thousand euro for two people. For in Portugal? In Portugal. For a grand? For a grand. Sorry, 927 euro 50 cents to be exact. For the two of you? Yes. Half board means breakfast and dinner. Dinner, yes. Good yeah. God Almighty! In the centre, in the old, the old town of Portugal. So the centre, centre of Portugal. Okay. Okay. All right. Appreciate it, Gordon. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yep. Cheers, Bob. Cheers. Take care. Anybody else got any uh, stories to share like that? Or what are your thoughts on that? Where you can get uh, a week in Portugal for under a grand uh, and a week in Killarney for seventeen hundred bed and breakfast. Lines that stay open, you can text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.